does good forever guys hit the follow subscribe button share this with someone who would benefit from it and help us grow as the more we grow the better the episodes we get thanks guys for helping us and let's get into the episode all right yes guys welcome to this episode of sculptor podcast uh bit of a weird one today so this is actually a episode from i believe september from 2022 so over a year ago uh it was literally before i'd even thought of doing a podcast episode myself it's a very long one i think it's two hours and 40 minutes so yeah almost three hours but it was basically me just wanting to document and not forget basically all the details of how i was um doing it in germany now i actually thought that this was a bit later in my time this was only i think two months in to my trip well not trip but to the journey of playing football overseas so i don't even really remember what i said here um it's not really got to do with sculpted too much but it's definitely an interesting insight into my headspace at the time and to a bit about the journey i believe from memory i was talking about how i got uh, got to germany how much it like cost i believe potentially um a few things like that so yeah in hindsight you know when i actually eventually listen back to it uh it's going to be interesting to see from where i was then to where i am now and knowing everything that i knew now or know now uh but yeah i think it's definitely an interesting one and it's a long one as i've mentioned but hopefully you guys enjoy it and uh, let me know if you've uh, liked any of these most recent episodes even this one in itself is different from the norm so yeah let me know if you like this uh, i can do more types of videos or just sit down like this or uh if you like the the standard content where we're just adding value on each episode particularly uh for a specific topic we can do that as well but your feedback's important to us guys so if you let us know uh we'll we'll keep doing you know what you guys want to do anyways i hope you enjoy this one and let's get into it and he's here he is here cristiano has entered the building Okay, so starting off, um, I don't actually know what I'm going to do with this at all, and it's really hard to video this because I can hear myself, so everything that I say is basically really weird, because I'm hearing it like 0.5 seconds after I'm saying it. So I'm slurring my words for some reason. Anyways, um, I'm going to start off with how long I've been planning to get to the EU. And basically, I've been planning to get to Europe for maybe ever since I was in year seven, I'd say. And that's basically how long I've been playing competitive football. Um, I, I remember every day I'd go to the school library and I would try and get emails and, um, I basically just send out a lot of emails out to clubs, similar to how I do it today, except it was a lot, a lot less organized, essentially. And every lunch I'd be going out and sending emails, um, to these clubs and it was always England and it was always basically the first division, um, it was a very poor way of doing it, to be honest, because 
I was just sending out cold emails, same email to everyone. Not that that's changed really, but yeah, I was basically just finding generic emails and I wasn't ever finding good emails, essentially. Um, yeah, not the best way of doing it, but at the time it was just all I knew. So I never got any replies. Um, also, it was literally my first year of playing, I think. If I'm not mistaking, I started in year seven. I could be completely wrong here, honestly. Um, it might, might have been year eight or year nine. Actually, thinking about it, probably was year nine. Because I was injured in year seven and eight. Yeah, it would have been year nine. Um, but yeah, you can ask um, some of my closest friends at the time. I would always try and drag them along with me into the library. And try and get them to send off some emails as well. Because I, I was always really wanting the people around me to also succeed. That's something that I always really like is to bring people up with me. And that's something that I try to do with my friends every lunch. And yeah, so when I first started planning my trip to Europe, it was literally my first year of playing football competitively. So yeah, very early. But the first time... I was really serious about it. it was my first year of playing competitive football so I guess it's the same year but later on in the year and it was I, I I knew that I didn't do well in that season I'd made mistakes probably every two games that led to a goal if not more and I just was yeah I mean realistically it was my first game sorry my first season so obviously it wasn't going to be too great um yeah, especially as a goalkeeper, you're, you do have to make mistakes at a young age as a goalkeeper, but I wasn't young. I was, I think I was 15, 15, 14, and most goalkeepers make those crucial mistakes that they learn from when they're younger, and that's a lot more accepted than making them at that age. And for me, I kind of, I kind of knew that, but I kind of didn't. I just knew that I wasn't good enough for that level. And basically... Uh, I was pretty certain that I wasn't going to get another, not a contract, because here in Australia it's not a contract, but I was pretty confident they didn't want me to play for them next year. And I was right, and I had two options that I was thinking of, and one of them was going to a school in Western Sydney, which is, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Western Sydney is basically a, it's probably the best, um, part of Sydney for footballers. It's got a pretty big history of having um, a lot of national team players there. And for me, I was thinking, okay, the training program seems quite good. I could maybe live in Sydney. Um, I didn't actually know logistically how it would work, but I was pretty confident I'd be able to make it work. Um, whether it was catching the train every day, every morning, every night, whatever, I was pretty confident I'd make it work. Um, they were pretty keen on me. I mean, realistically, the standard wasn't too high because it's a school. Um, but yeah, that was basically my main goal for the next year after I got released from my club. And unfortunately that didn't work out with the school and that wasn't necessarily because I wasn't good enough. As I said, like the standard wasn't necessarily needing to be too high, although it was very high. Um, all the goalkeepers that I was with were all national team goalkeepers at the time, which was really crazy. So Yes, the standard was actually quite high, um, and I was probably nowhere near it, but that wasn't really too important. So, anyways, 
wasn't allowed to go there because it was a public school and because I was out of the area completely. Um, the argument argument for me would be to just go to a local public school near me, which is two hours away, which is where I lived. And that was basically um, one reason why I couldn't go there. And then the other reason was because they, because they were a public school and I was going into 10th, um, 10th grade, 10th year of school, whatever it is, year 10, that's the one. Um, they still had public school kids, basically. So it's a very confusing um, school, but basically the sports school and the public school work together and I think they're only allowed a certain amount of students each year and in year 10 it's made up by half school students who are just public school students and then half sports students and basically they had met the quota already for the following year. This was like in November I was trialling for the next year and normally they have the trials like a year prior so already I was quite late so that unfortunately didn't work and then the next option I had in my head was literally just to go to Germany and it was it was a pretty rash decision, honestly, because I I was 14 when I planned this, and I'd been playing football for a year competitively. Prior to that, I was literally just playing for fun with um, my friends. I didn't take it seriously. I, I'd say that I probably wanted to be a professional footballer, but I really just didn't know what it took, and I, I was at such a low level that it was literally just local league, so maybe I was better than a few goalkeepers in my age, but realistically, it wouldn't take it wouldn't have taken much, and I don't think it did take much. So I decided to plan to go to Europe, and thankfully, I had cousins who lived in Germany, and that's the main reason why I went to Germany in the first place. Um, alongside that, the history of goalkeepers is probably the best in the world. That may be biased, honestly, but I actually do think that if you look at all the best teams in the world, like Barcelona, Bayern Munich, I mean, even look at England, there's probably been a few German goalkeepers um, throughout the clubs. I mean, you've got Neuer, Kostegen, Kevin Trapp, um, Oliver Baumann. Historically, German goalkeepers, in my opinion, are the best. Um... Maybe not they're maybe they're not the best in the world in terms of like current. So for instance, maybe All Black's the best in the world, but if you look at the goalkeepers underneath him, I'd say a fair amount of them are German. And you don't really have that um in most countries really. So for me it was quite obvious that Germany was probably gonna be the best way for me to develop. Because I'd always had this um vision that I still am behind because, as mentioned, my first year of playing football competitive was really late. I mean, I'm 15. 15, 14, I think, playing my first. Yeah, I was 14, playing my first um, year of competitive football, I guess. And, yeah, I mean, some kids start off in the six. So, for me, it was, I'd really have to catch up and improve. And for me, that that was Germany because they really focus on that especially as a goalkeeper. So that was my logistics for that. And I went over to Germany with, I believe, two trials at the time, maybe. And these trials, honestly, I couldn't actually tell you if they were trials or not. Um, 
training experiences or trials, they were probably the same thing back then. Um, because you know, that no, realistically, they're probably more training experiences. But say if I was good enough, then lucky them, they've they've had me and they can see me. But I wasn't good enough, and my first okay, yeah. So basically, when I got over there, my parents did not think that I'd stay there. And it was basically just a chance for me to go to Europe by myself. Um, so I stayed with my cousins. Honestly, my parents have been the backbone of my success. Like, if it wasn't for my parents, then I couldn't go to Europe. I couldn't go to Germany. I couldn't do anything um, by myself. But I, I believe that my parents also have allowed me to do this because I've seen how dedicated I am and how focused I am on doing what I want to do and not letting anything kind of distract me. So I believe that, yes, my parents, I've got very, very supportive parents, but I feel like they can support me because I've shown them that I will, I will provide what I say I want to do and et cetera. Like it's very difficult to explain because most kids aren't like me. Like maybe if you're thinking, oh, my parents wouldn't let me go to Europe by myself, but maybe you also come home late every night and maybe that's that's one reason why they don't trust you and there's maybe a few other reasons but for me I was always always very regimented I was very disciplined and my parents could trust me to do this by myself um so there I was just turned 15 and I'm off to Germany by myself um I met my cousins at the airport and they took me back to theirs and basically my cousins from then just took me to trials and my mom came over for Christmas in December, and I got there in around November, I believe. And yeah, my mom came over for Christmas. We had in Germany there's a massive Christmas break, um, so we went around, had a nice time, and that was good. But um, yeah, so basically my trials in the first time I was in Germany, as I mentioned, I wasn't good enough, but it was a very good experience for me. And honestly, I just learned a lot. And it wasn't even necessarily that I got better. I just learned what the level is because I was very ignorant at the time um, of my first year. I was really just, I, I didn't think I was good, um, but I didn't think I, I could get, I, I didn't realize how much better I could get basically because I just never saw that bar. The, the bar that I saw was just the, the other goalkeeper on the other side of the field, basically, and I was thinking, oh, okay, maybe he's a lot better than me, but that's, that's like, attainable, maybe. But I, I was just very ignorant to it, and so I just saw a whole another level over there, and, yeah, I was, I don't, I think I was just very unfamiliar with everything, and I think, yeah, the best word is ignorance, and I think that most players still are very ignorant to football, um, no one really realizes that the the level in Europe and just anywhere, you, you go to any place in the world and the level is high. No matter what, there are good footballers wherever you go. You can go to, thinking of a random country, let's go Finland. You can go to Finland and there are good footballers there. You can go to, let's, let's just pull out Guatemala. I'll take a look at Guatemala's Premier League right now. 
and I can guarantee you they're probably maybe they're not great, but I bet they have a decent standard of football there. I'm just searching up in transfer market. And so for me, when I look at Australia, this is only something that I've really come to in terms of recently because I've come to appreciate professional football in general. When everyone thinks of professional football, they just think that to make it, you've got to be playing for Barcelona or you've got to be playing for one of the biggest clubs in the world. Where realistically, if you think about it, I'd say the top five leagues, maybe the top 10 teams is what people see as a good career. So that's maybe 50 teams. And let's say there's 24 players in, no, let's say 32 players in each team. Actually, no, we'll say 24 because I'd say if you're in, if you're not playing games for one of those big teams, you're not necessarily seen as having a good career in most people's eyes I mean that's the ignorant eyes where for me I'd be seeing that and thinking wow that's great so 24 times 50 so around 1,200 footballers would be seen as having a good career if if I'm looking at this with ignorant eyes and yeah realistically that's not true at all because that's I think with a statistic on it and it's I think it's 0.05% of professional footballers earn more than 3,000 euros a month. Something like that. Don't get me, don't, don't quote me on the um the numbers, but it's a very low number. Maybe it's like 0.1% or 1%. Not too sure. But basically, that's that's not enough to live off. Actually, maybe it's 5%, maybe more. Yeah, don't quote me on it. But it's a very small number. All right? So... Me going into this, I thought that for me to become a professional football, I've got to be playing for one of those big clubs. Now, that hasn't changed. I still want to play for one of those big clubs, and I still want to become the best player in the world. Because, say if I didn't think that, then how am I, how am I going to become the best I can without thinking that? It, it just limits me. If I think that, okay, I'm only going to be able to get to the first division in Belgium. Well, and not by luck am I going to get any further. Like, if I set that limitation on myself, then I'm only going to ever get there. So, for me, I always know that I want to be the best, and I can, I actually can become the best. Alright? Anyone, anyone can become the best. There are limitations, but realistically, anyone can become the best. Anyways, back to the Guatemalan Premier League. It's it's a good standard. It sounds silly to say, but the it's a good standard. I mean, it's probably comparable to the fourth division in Germany. I'm just looking at it now. You've got your top teams at 4 million euros, almost 5 million euros, and then your bottom teams at around 1 million euros. So, yeah, you're looking at a decent league. Um, maybe they're not fully professional, but... I'd say that that is a fully professional league. It's just that maybe some of the wages for the players isn't fully professional. But nonetheless, I mean, Guatemala is such a random country and it's still a good standard. I mean, if you look at that and compare it to the 4th Division in Germany, some of these Guatemalan teams should be beating 4th Division teams in Germany, which isn't a... 4th it's, it's, Division in Germany isn't a professional league. 
but they definitely have the standard of professional teams because due to the relegation and promotion system they have, it's very competitive and teams that have been playing years and years in the professional ranks maybe get relegated for one year and they're back in the third in the back in the fourth division. So realistically the standard of the fourth division is top in Germany. But you've got those outliers who have just been promoted from the fifth division. Or maybe you've got your odd odd fourth division team who's just been staying in the fourth division for a while. Um regardless, the main way that you actually I'd say I guess differentiate a professional team compared to a non-professional team is what their players actually live off so if they can live off full um a full-time wage from what they're getting paid then that's seen as a professional contract because when you think of professional it's not necessarily um they're the best at what they do it's just that they can make a living off what they do and it's the same for a teacher a professional teacher is every teacher who makes enough money to live off where an amateur teacher might be just a teacher who does teaching every every few days for a school, um, a substitute teacher, not a professional teacher, but an amateur teacher. Same in football. So, yeah, um, it, it's it's very very different in the big countries. So I'd say your big countries: England, Germany, Spain, and from the First division down to the third and fourth division, all of these teams would be considered professional to say professional. And even some teams in the fifth division in Germany would be considered um, semi-professional. Um, but comparable to fourth division teams, because again, due to promotional relegation, a lot of the fourth division teams can end up in the fifth division quite easily. And sometimes it even happens where the third division teams Within two years, they can end up in the fifth division. And that happens. Um, it happens because sponsors pull out. It happens because maybe they they misobeyed some rules and they ended up in the lower leagues. So, yeah, it's it's very, very different with these big big three. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say the big three countries is England, Germany, and Spain. And now, now Spain's a weird one. I, I don't know enough about Spain to say too much well all i can say is that i know they have a lot of leagues and i know that they call them all professional although i wouldn't say that they are all are professional um i've got a few friends who have played in spain and they say maybe the fifth division is still considered professional although i really don't agree with that because how can you have um so many teams and leagues in the fifth division so I think they have conferences and they've got maybe two or three conferences in the fifth division. And so they've maybe got a hundred and so teams or 200 or so teams. And they're calling all of those 200 teams professional. I just don't think that's actually true. Um, maybe the standard's good, but I don't think that they'd be able to make a living off it. Um, so yeah, realistically, I don't really agree with that. I know in Germany, in the fourth division, you can make a living off it. You're getting paid maybe 2,000, 3,000 euros if you're a starter which is top, like that, that's brilliant. And you can be getting paid excess of that as well if you go to a better team. Um, and the, the environment's fully professional. Most teams will be training in the mornings. You're there for the whole day. You've got decent facilities. You've got the clubhouse. You've got everything there. Obviously, depending on the team, you might be stitched up. You might be in a not-so-great team, but the standard's always good in the, in the Liga. Yeah. 
and it's the same in England. I mean, the fourth division in Germany, it's got 100 teams. Let's say if you took the top 20 teams in there, 100% that's a, that's a professional league because that's what they have in England, essentially. So in the fourth division in England, you've got no conferences, but you've got the top 20 teams of the standard of fourth division. And yeah, those 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 24 teams, I believe, in League 2 are all considered professional. And I'm 100% sure that if you were to do the same in Germany's fourth division, take the best teams out of all five conferences in these leagues and make a fourth division that would 100% be professional um, but yeah so in Spain maybe the fourth division isn't professional but uh, like, I'd say the third division is even though that's conferences you've got two conferences in Spain um, so again you've got maybe 40 teams in the third division maybe more who are considered professional for me that's that's too much um, that's why I don't consider the fourth division generally professional because it's too many teams to be considered professional. Um, although in Spain, they count as professional. As I said, I don't know too much about it. The standard might be of a professional standard, but I just don't see how all teams could be paying their players enough to live off. Um, although, I could be completely wrong. Anyways, um, yeah. So, back onto my time in Germany the first time. Basically, all of my trials were unsuccessful. And... The only team who showed some interest was a team called Wolfsburg Kickers. And this team, they had two goalkeepers, I believe, at the time. But they were, this was the under-16s. And um, the under-16s play, they played in the third division in the under-17s league. And their under-17s played in the second division in the under-17s league. So a little bit, a little bit confusing. Um, but yeah, it was, it was an, it was an okay club. I don't think they'd ever be able to accommodate me. They, they're quite a weird club who go up and down the third division, second division, or fourth division. So at the time when I was over there, they were in the third division. Then they got promoted to the second division and currently they're sitting in the fourth division. So they're one of those teams who you would consider professional because their wages maybe don't change too much in between playing the second division or the fourth division. Um, yeah, they're, they're a professional team, but they didn't have really the standard of a professional team in their youth academies. Sorry, their youth teams. And yeah, it was okay. I just don't think that I would have been able to play that because the teams that I was looking for has... They'd have to have had a football internet. And a football internet is basically a boarding school, but just for the football students. So imagine if you're going to boarding school, but the schoolwork you were doing was your training. So you basically live on site. And it's 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 an amazing experience. It's actually what I've really been dreaming of my whole life, but I don't actually think that I'll ever be able to live in a football internet. Um, when I say my whole life, I mean from year nine. Um, yeah, it's it's something that I've always really wanted to do and another reason why I've always wanted to be in Germany it's just because you can live on campus you've got the gym, you've got the pool you've got the training ground, you've got the coaches at your fingertips you're literally living more professionally than professional players basically and for me that was always my dream so 
yeah, at Wurzburger Kickers, they didn't have that. But at the two other clubs that I was with, which was Grotefurt and Essingenburg, they both had that. And their, their facilities were excellent. Best facilities that I'd ever seen at that time. I mean, bear in mind, I was coming from a second division team in Australia who just got promoted. And yeah, it was nothing special at all. And for me, going into these clubs, it was very overwhelming. Um, I definitely didn't have the quality. And yeah, I mean, it was a great experience for me to learn what the standard was that I needed to get to. But realistically, I was way off it. And for me, I think my first session in Germany, I realized, yeah, okay, I'm even more behind than I ever thought I was. Because I always knew I was behind. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I keep going, um, to be honest, it wasn't looking good for me. My parents probably thought I was going to go back to Australia, but for me, that was never an option. I was really, really set on making it over in Germany and staying there. And I ended up through the people who we were, who I was staying with, through my cousins, they knew some kid who had stayed at a football internet. And this football internet wasn't with a professional team. It was basically with the international team where they just brought in a lot of players from all over the world. And realistically, the standard was quite low. Um, the under-16s, it was a very, very uncompetitive team. But the under-17s was really competitive. And the under-17s played in the second division in Germany, which is a very good standard. Um, although, you do have your really poor teams in that level, but you also have your very good teams in that level. And obviously, those really good teams get promoted for the next year, and then the really poor teams get relegated. And it is a little bit confusing, and to be honest, it doesn't make too much sense to me. But say if you're in the under-17s, and you get promoted for the next year, you can't even play for the under-17s team next year that got promoted. It's for the next year's under-17s to play in that next level. And then you basically play in the level where the under-19s finished last year. So you could go from Bundesliga in the under-17s and then end up in the third division because the under-19s last year got relegated from the second division. And that happens. And maybe that's a fault in the system. Um, but I guess it also filters out a bit because players who, oh, yeah, it is really difficult, I guess. Um, but ultimately you'd expect your top teams, your professional teams to be pretty consistent with, with all of that. But you do have the odd teams, maybe a few regular league teams who under 19s are very good and sometimes better than professional teams. And you see a lot of ex-professional youth players head to those non-professional teams who have a good under-19s teams, and it happens. And sometimes it's a very good option for players who aren't good enough at a professional club, so they can go to a semi-professional club who's under-19s are good, for instance. And, yes, yeah, so I was at this I was at this team um, with the football internet. As I mentioned, the standard wasn't good um, in the under-16s, which was my age group at the time, but... I was happy to stay there because they had accommodation and everything like that, which is what I've always wanted, as I mentioned. Um, 
but it was it was difficult because you, you have to pay to be there so something that all football internets have if you're in a professional team you don't have to pay to be there now it is very expensive to live there I think it was maybe 2,000 euros a month and for my for me and my parents we couldn't really afford that and for me it was more of a short term thing to stay at this club because I just wanted to I, I believe that I could play at a professional level maybe I was very very wrong but realistically I don't think I was too far off looking back at it now I, I actually don't think I was too far off but I don't think six months would have been enough time uh, nonetheless I was there for two months I paid and then it was COVID. And during that two months, I did really well, honestly. But I also don't think that if I was there for longer, I don't think I would have done very well. So I worked my way up into the under-19s. I went into the under-17s for a bit. But that was due to injury as well. So the under-17s goalkeeper got injured. They didn't like the under-17s goalkeeper. So it was also good for me because they liked me because, okay, this is weird. And if you asked any of my friends in Australia at the time, they would say that I had very, very poor footwork. And I did. I did have very, very bad footwork at this time. But it was better than what they had. So for them, they played me over their goalkeepers because I had better footwork than them. And at the time, my footwork was horrible. I can say that confidently. Um, But yeah, it, it was... It, I was quite fortunate that I was able to play in the under-17s. I think I only played one league game, and then the rest was just all friendlies. Um, and I think a few cup games. But I also played in the under-19s, because the under-19s were probably worse than the under-17s. So I was with the under-19s. They played third division, but I really wasn't training. Sorry, I really wasn't playing too much for them. Because their leagues started after the under-17s. In Germany, all of the leagues are quite difficult. And they all start at different times. Um, so, yeah, I was with the under-19s, under under-17s, and the under-16s. So I was getting a lot of training. A lot of playing time. And it was quite good. But when COVID came around, and honestly, I was, I was quite split of whether to stay or whether to go back home. And I was... In my heart, I wanted to stay because, I mean, of course I want to stay. This is what I'd been dreaming of. I'd worked my way to get here. And in my head, it was the right thing. Um, but realistically, I was thinking in my head, I actually don't like it here because the school that I had to go to was around an hour and a half away every single morning. And it really sucked because I'd get home very late and then I'd go straight to training. And for me, that's not necessarily a bad thing that I'd go straight to training, but I wasn't doing enough training for me. And there was too much time traveling. The school was really bad. I wasn't learning a thing. I'd just sit at the back of the classroom and I went to a language school. So they would just speak German to me and I was expected to pick up German. So it was really difficult for me to even learn German. And I, I didn't learn any German. It was a very weird environment, realistically. Um, yeah, as I mentioned, I didn't really like it. So, 
in my head, there were a few reasons why I wanted to go back home, but I really did want to stay. The main reasons why I wanted to go back home was because I knew that for my family, it was quite expensive for me to be there. So I guess an excuse for me to go back could be COVID. Obviously at the time we had no clue what it was. A lot of people just thought it was a conspiracy um, at my club. And they thought it was being played up by the media a lot. And at the time it probably was realistically. Um, but my parents made the decision for me to come back to Australia and I stayed there. So I immediately, well, not immediately, but very quickly after the first lockdowns in Australia, um, I was able to trial with two teams and during lockdown, I was able to train with a goalkeeper coach from the Central Coast Mariners and he was very, very good for my development. So coming back to Australia, I'd only been in Germany for six months. Now, six months prior, I had been released by my team and I wasn't very good. Now, I don't think I got much better in that six months. So I probably wasn't training enough. I was trialing a lot, right? So I was going from trial to trial to trial to trial. And during this time, there isn't much time to develop as a player. Mentally, there's a lot of time. Physically, you've got to work out all of that stuff that you've learned, then to put it into action after you've settled down. And that's what I really dislike about being a free agent and trialing. Because say if you're just doing this for so long, Think about all the people who aren't doing that and think about how much them, how much more they're improving. Yes, I may be improving mentally, but that's always my strongest thing. So it's, it's, it's very difficult being a free agent and I spent probably half of my career being a free agent doing, going from trial to trial to trial. And that's, that's really difficult. Um, anyways, I was back in Australia and in lockdown, I was able to train a lot with this goalkeeper coach. Now, he kind of helped me put all of my learnings into action. And I'd say that I really, really improved in this time. And I'd say that lockdown probably was essential for my development as a footballer. Because I was able to just... So I, I, I didn't relax. I didn't settle down at all. I was training four times a day at that time. And I was really... I don't use the word overtraining because if I was overtraining, I would have got injured. That's what overtraining is. But I was training too much to where it wasn't helping me because I was focused on hitting. I was over-exercising, I can say, because that over-exercising has a correlation to um, disordered eating and binge eating. So I actually developed an eating disorder during this time. And it would make me think that I need to train more. So I wasn't training to improve as much. I was more training just to hit numbers. And this was accompanied by I got an Apple Watch. And for me, I've learned that tracking devices are very, very bad for me because I get addicted to numbers. And that's where the eating disorder comes in perfectly because it's it's numbers. And... I was counting my calories, everything like that, and then it would be, I'd be way underfeeding myself, and then I'd binge eat on the weekend because I couldn't control myself, and then it would just be a constant loop, constant loop of this cycle. I'd be underfueling, 
overeating, underfueling, overeating, and obviously binge eating is quite rich in endorphins, endorph, endorph, endorphins, because you're eating highly palatable foods in a very quick amount of time, and your brain doesn't tell you that's a bad thing, because you're enjoying it, and for me, I don't even remember doing all of this, I, I, I seriously can't remember me binge eating, it's always like I was like knocked out, passed out, I can't remember it, and this was a cycle that happened, and with excessive eating, it makes you, it makes you want to train more, because you know that if you don't, you're going to put on weight, and so I knew everything that I ate, I knew how many calories I was eating, I knew how many calories I was burning, and I never put on weight, but I never lost weight, and my goal was to lose weight, because I was never lean enough, and Honestly, today, I'm still not lean enough. It's, it's something that I still struggle with. Um, but yeah, as I mentioned, training a lot. Yes, the, the amount of time I was training probably wasn't helpful. But I was still getting in quality sessions at the same time. Maybe, say if I was training four times in a day, I'd be getting two good sessions. And that was good for me. Could have done it better. But... I feel like for me to know that I could have done it better, I had to, I had to do the, I had to do it the wrong way first. So, anyways, we come out of lockdown. I have two trials: Sydney FC and Central Coast Mariners. Both were good trials. I'd say maybe this is eight months after I got released from my team. No, actually, it'd probably be a year after I got released from the team. And I'd say that I'm at that level now. And. Both of those teams wanted to sign me. So, after a lot of um, thought, because it wasn't easy, um, to play for Central Coast Mariners was a dream of mine ever since I started playing football. And to be honest, it's still a dream of mine today to play for Central Coast Mariners. But I took Sydney FC. And whether that was the wrong or right decision, only time can tell. But I ended up going to Sydney FC um, I felt very good in my first few months there, but I was I was doing too much, and I ended up injuring myself. I was doing a lot of running at the time. I'd maybe do a ten kilometer every two days, I think it was, and ten kilometer runs aren't very good for um, sustainability because the strain, not necessarily on you, um, like ex- exertion wise. Yes, it's very exhausting, but you can probably when I train by myself, I can be running up to 12 kilometers. So it's not necessarily distance, but it's it's what it did to my knees. And, um, yeah, my, my ankles and things like this. So I, I have very, very poor ankle mobility. And when I'm running long distances with a lot of strain, because I'm running on concrete, it kind of just accentuates the... Uh, vulnerabilities I have in my body and my biggest vulnerability is my ankles and my ankles the next muscle type the next muscle group that is affected is my calves and if my calves can't withstand that that strain then the next I guess um line of defense is my knees and because my calves yes they could deal with it but they couldn't deal with it for 10 kilometers every few days. And so over time, my ankles aren't strong enough. So the next line of defense was my calves. 
over time, the next line of defense is my knees. Now, my knees were weak because my legs and my ankles were weak. So my knees were copping a battery. And I ended up tearing my meniscus. And I was out for maybe three or so months. And this wasn't very good for me at CBFC because I wasn't playing too well. I didn't start off very good in games. So I, I was doing very well in training, but in games, I was doing very poorly. And that that's a common theme for me uh, previously. I, I've, as I mentioned, when I was at um, my first team, I made a lot of mistakes. And I was only... So Sydney FC was my second year of playing football competitively. So still, I should be making mistakes. There, and I was making mistakes. I wasn't making very costly mistakes, but I'd be making... I, I just could have done a lot better. And I think that they didn't like how safe I was playing. And I guess that was because I was hiding. I didn't feel very accepted at Sydney FC. And like the players never really warmed up to me. Um, I guess that's another thing. I was coming in mid-season. So I also took another goalkeeper's spot who they didn't like at the time. And that is maybe why I was doing good in training. But in games... I was just getting battered because it was a vulnerability of mine. I had a lot of negative pre-narratives going into games. I'd be thinking, okay, because I trained well during the week, I might not play well because I'm due for a bad training session or game and things like that. So I had a lot of bad pre-narratives that would really just steer the direction of my game prior to me even playing it. And yeah, that's due to the inexperience of my game time because again, only my second year of playing football. I've maybe got 30 games in my belt at best, and I'm now playing for the best team in the country. So, yeah, really didn't do well at Sydney FC. Ended up getting injured again um, at around April 2021, I believe. Yeah, April 2021, I fractured my wrist. And I had changed my training schedule a bit because I knew that I was doing too much because I was... Tra- oh, no, I didn't actually... I was still training four times a day. Yeah. So I'd wake up at 4am. I'd start training at 5am. I'd do 45 minutes by myself. Then head over to training at Sydney FC. We'd start at 6am. In the gym. And then from around 6 to 7, I think it was, we would be doing gym work. And then around 7.30am, we'd start on the pitch. Then we'd be training for around two to three hours. Most days I'd finish around 10 a.m. And normally I'd do extras with my friends on the field afterwards as well. So maybe, I'd say most of the time I would finish training around 9.30 and I'd keep going till 10. Then um, if I wasn't happy with the training session, then I'd go do a bit of training afterwards by myself at around 11 a.m. Bear in mind, I still have to get to school. The school's cutoff was 11 a.m., so they didn't want me coming after 11 a.m. And most days I'd make that pretty comfortably, um, but some days I wouldn't. I also went to school right next to the training pitch, so it was purpose, purposely designed like that. And then I just ride my bike there, and yeah, I would I'd go to school, and then, then after school I'd go to the gym again. And then maybe if I wasn't feeling like the morning wasn't too good or if I didn't get that that fourth session in in the morning 
then I will just go to the oval afterwards. Um, so yeah, it was it was really busy. So at the time, it was probably the most time I'd ever spent training. Um, for me, it was very sustainable because every day I'd just do the same thing. Maybe for some people that's not too sustainable, but I also do think that I did it, I managed it well. Um, looking back at it though, like, sorry, at the time I was thinking that I was managing it well because I thought my nutrition was great, everything like that, but realistically I was, it was very bad. So I was under eating, I wasn't eating enough essentially, so I didn't have enough energy going into the next training session. Uh, physically, I was going to the next training session feeling very bad and everything was just, it was basically just a knock-on effect and the next training session got worse or worse. So every single training session got worse from that first training session of the week and come Saturday or Sunday when I was playing a game, think about it, that's the worst I was going to play because from Monday to Friday, Every session got worse. So Saturday, what's going to make that one better? It's not. So literally every training session got worse, worse and worse until game came. And physically and mentally, I was the worst on game day, which is the exact opposite of what you should be doing. So long story short, I got released from Sydney FC. Uh, whether it was because of my injury or I wasn't doing good enough, I couldn't necessarily distinguish, although I believe that it was a combination of both because I didn't have enough time for me to recover from that injury and then prove myself until they made the cutoff decision for whether they're going to um, have me for another year or let go of me. And because the injury was so long, the cutoff time between me playing for the next year and me not was during this time out so they released me it was very difficult um something that i had in my head another negative pre-narrative was that i was always going to get released from sydney so for me it was not a surprise which it is not good mentally for me but again i feel like i had to go through that to know that that's wrong and also to think that i need to fix that and it's something that i work on a lot and it's made me realize the importance of working on pre-narratives. So, as I mentioned, yeah, very difficult. Um, they took me up for the meeting. I actually initiated the meeting. And, yeah, it was very difficult to take. I was crying. Cried all the way back to, back to the change rooms. I, I waited for everyone. I hid by the change rooms. I rang my mom told her she was actually in Sydney that day because um I had to get a scan so she then picked me up I told her what happened that was really difficult and then I go to get my wrist scanned so yeah that was difficult and maybe there was a month period where I was still just training in the gym with the team every morning and I was still able to train um, with my feet and before the gym every morning I'd, I'd do that. Not that they knew I was doing that, um, 
they, they never knew that I was ever doing all this extra training, which was probably a problem because they would think, oh, why was he good in training, but not good in games? And yeah, this was a reason. So I probably should have told them, but at the time I really didn't want to, because I believed that I don't want to, I don't want to tell them that I'm doing all this extra work. I want them to see that I'm doing all this extra work and see that I'm improving. And for me, that's, that's the mentality that I thought I should have. Um, I still do have that, but I, I've realized that I've realized the importance of prioritizing performance and improving, but improving smarter. So it's not quantity, it's quality. And that's still something that I have to come to terms with. I'm definitely getting better at it, but I'm still not there. So. Yeah, so long and behold, Sydney, um, there for a month training. Uh, I did have a very bad ankle injury at the time, but I pushed through. Um, I didn't really care. I was thinking, well, what worse could happen? Um, I'm already injured. So every day with my ankle, it was really painful. Uh, I, I just didn't care, though, because I'd had this pain for about a year. Kind of an injury that I'd neglected. Um, but I, I worked on it, and... So after a month with Sydney FC of being injured, we went into lockdown. It wasn't great. Um, I was just training with my friend at the time in lockdown. I met him and we went to school together, but he was in the year above me. Um, I didn't really know that he wanted to become a professional footballer until we started training together in lockdown. It was just, just random, basically, that we um, met up again, hit I think it was his last year of school that year. And yeah, we, we became really close. And yeah, it was really good to be with him because we were able to train every day. We had a similar mindset. I'd say I'm more disciplined than him and uh, more focused than him. But I'm only saying that to make sure that when he hears this, that he thinks that he's more disciplined and more motivated than me. Because I always want to be better than him, and he should always want to be better than me. And if he doesn't think that he's more disciplined and motivated than me, then Timmy got to fix that because you got to be more competitive. But so, anyways, yeah, I was with him every day. Really loved training with him. And then also during lockdown, my fractured wrist also got better. So I think three months into the lockdown, I started doing a bit of goalkeeping, but I only had Tim to do it with which was good, but bad. No offense to Tim, but he's not a goalkeeper coach. So I only doing shots. So for me, I wasn't really improving too much. I was just facing a shot every Wednesday and Saturday, I think we did. So I think Monday was passing, Tuesday was pings, Wednesday was shooting, and then vice, well, yeah, just repeat for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, essentially. Um, So yeah, it was a very, very weird time. But it was a good time for me to work on my technique. Again, I'm not playing during this time. So I only played two seasons. Ever. Like, competitively. I'm only on my fourth season. No, I'm only on my third season competitively now. I only played half a season. So I'm behind. Realistically, I'm behind. Uh, but I know that, you know. But I also feel like I've learned a lot. I feel, I feel like I've learned a lot quicker than most people. So I don't actually feel like I'm too behind anymore. Um, anyways, so lockdown, 
I come out of lockdown, I sign with the team, MacArthur Bulls. Still in lockdown, actually. MacArthur Bulls say, we need you to train with the first team. So my first session of training, full on. Yes, I'd done some goalkeeping work, but it's nothing like team training or goalkeeper training. So my first training session back is with the first team. Now, I was with the first team for around three months. Great, great experience. Um, in lockdown, I had been working on my mentality. No, I'm not going to say that. That sounds so cliche. I've been working on my mental skills a lot. I bought a course with um, a sports psychologist that I've been working with. No, I'm not going to call him that. He's a mental skills coach. And he works with a lot of professional footballers. And I had been working with him for quite some time. Um, just just on a basis of just talking with him, basically. Finally decided to pay him, essentially. And it was quite a good investment, honestly. I don't regret it at all. Um, and it it's really helped me today. And I still use all of his daily... Te- I, I use his teachings daily. Literally. It's it's the best investment I've ever made. It was actually a birthday present, so not necessarily an investment, but it was like three hundred dollars. Anyways, very good, and recommend that to anyone. So, I, yeah, I guess, felt good going into first team training, and I think I did okay. I wasn't great. Bear in mind, I'm coming back from this big injury. Um, and maybe a fractured wrist isn't a big injury, realistically. But I've got my ankle to worry about. I also, because of the injury, I hadn't been playing for much longer than anyone else who had been in lockdown. Because I was injured prior to lockdown. So, I was behind again. And, yeah, I, I didn't do too great. Um, Quite... I don't know how to explain it, but I was, I was confident. I was quite confident, but I probably didn't have the physical skills to back it up. And that made sense. I mean, I was 16 and no, I was 17. Yeah, I was 17. And I had just come out from not training or no, I was training, but not being in a team environment for a long time. Fractured wrists, very bad ankle etc so that didn't help but I think that my mental skills at the time made me come out better for training with the first team and then when I started training with the first the second team under 20s and that under 18s then it was very good I did very well in training and then in the games I started off quite poorly again no actually I started off really well and then I made one mistake and then from there it went downhill Every few weeks, I was making the costly error. Some errors I never, never even thought I could make. It was crazy. I was completely playing, like, like I was playing good games. Don't get me wrong, but there would always be one thing that let me down. And I kind of spoke to my coach, and I was thinking, "This is this is crazy. This is not me." And I'm playing good games, but there's I'm, I'm letting in goals that I never thought I even would would be able to do like it's 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 crazy the goals that I was letting in um because of me and I was taking full responsibility for it something he didn't know is that I would train twice 
before a game and he knew that I was always training a lot so he told me to stop training so much uh, I didn't I didn't stop training as much but I definitely did taper it down so I still trained three times a day on a match day I just did it after the game and I'd still train as much as I was during the week I just did it at a lower intensity so whether that helped or not I don't know because it could have been foreseeable realistically um and yeah I basically I started to play well wasn't making many mistakes anymore much better uh consistency wise and yeah come halfway through the season it was time to execute my plan and that is where I'm going to finish it because I'm going to get into what that plan looked like when I started it and etc and I'm going to get into Germany so far because that's a little background on um how long I'd been planning to get to Europe and my parents support during this my parents are always very supportive best parents in the world I don't think any other parents would ever let their kids do this it is quite crazy and I think though my parents have this support in me because they know that I'm going to make it work I don't think you could trust many other kids to do this I think that it's quite a safe bet if you were to bet on some other kid and, and me to give you if you wanted results and you were to bet on someone else and me, I think you'd bet on me. I feel like it's it's pretty confident that I'm going to get what I want. And I think my parents see that. And if I don't get what I want, I'm going to give my best doing it. So I think my parents definitely saw that in me. And I think that's why they felt confident in me to allow me to do that. So yes, I've got the best parents in the world. But I think they also have a pretty good son. No, actually, I'm a pretty bad son. But I think I've got a, they've got a pretty driven son. I'm not going to I'm not. I'm not a great son. But... I don't want to be the best son in the world. I want to be the best footballer in the world. So I'm going to make, I'm going to have to make sacrifices. Anyways, part two, I'll be talking about uh, what I did to execute on my plans for Europe when I started it. And yeah, I'll walk you through that. So going off where I left off memory, I believe I was talking about um, my planning process of the whole Europe thing and how long I've been playing for, etc. So, um, yeah, I guess I can start off with looking back at ever since I got back to Australia, I was basically planning on getting back to Germany. Um, sorry if there's any background noise. I'm doing a bit of recovery work right now, so probably not the best time, but um. I kind of just wanted to get this um, done before I finished my day. So I I started playing literally as soon as I got back to Australia because when I got back to Australia, I thought that I didn't know what was going to happen. I mean, I got back and it was locked out, obviously. So I literally just assumed that I was going to go back. I didn't I didn't want to go back to the same place as mentioned because. It was expensive. It was not the best, like environment. Like it was, it was okay. But yeah, for me, it wasn't 
it wasn't amazing. Although it did just give me that eye form. And I think that playing overseas at a young age definitely helps with CV. And maybe senior senior Central Coast Mariners just want to be because that was a hype. Hype is probably not the best word, but I can't really think of any other word that would actually describe it well. But I think hype would be a very good way to describe it. The only way, maybe. Um, but yeah, I'd say there's probably a hype maybe around a foreign player. Someone, not, not a foreign player, but someone who's been playing overseas. And yeah, I guess that was probably more attractive for Sydney MC at the time. Um, and that's probably why I was... I, I didn't struggle to find a club after literally getting released by a club um, eight months or half of the months, like a bit of extra year prior. Um, anyways, um, my plans for returning to Europe, basically every six months, I was evaluating um, my... Um, no, not every six months, but every for every six months in advance, sorry, I was basically evaluating where I was at and um, when the best time for me to transfer was. And look here, when I was in the FC, so obviously this was also in accordance to the severity of COVID at the time. So maybe the first few weeks I was thinking, when I got back to Australia, I was thinking, okay, uh, I'm just going to head back whenever I see see what this whole COVID thing is, whenever it happens, happens. Obviously, I'm not in severity of it. And yeah, so I was with I was Sydney FC then. Um, to be honest, my focus wasn't really getting back in Europe. It was just getting back to being the best I can at where where I am right now, knowing that Europe isn't possible in the next six months because of COVID. And that's basically what my focus was. Um, at that point of time, I was really focusing on LinkedIn. And I was I always had a big LinkedIn presence ever since going to Germany the first time, which is also another way I was able to... I mean, I think only one of the trials that I actually got, I had people that I was speaking to on LinkedIn, and it was just a um, coincidence that my cousins had been speaking to the same club. Um, but it w wasn't too much of a coincidence because I was also speaking to every other single club that I had a trial with. They just never responded, basically which is something that happens every single time I send out thousands of emails. I never get responses. Um, and the ones that I do are often just saying, sorry, we can't have you, or like, oh, we'll send you, uh, we'll send our scouting team to look through your information and whatnot. So really nothing special um, because they wouldn't really follow the figure for it. And often... Well, always, nothing ever came from it. So, yeah, for me, whilst I was a Sydney FC, building up my network was very important. So uploading quite frequently. Um, and, yeah, just trying to get as many connections as possible. I think at the time, maybe I had 8,000 connections. Probably grew to around 10,000 at the end of my time at Sydney FC, which was quite good. Um, so, yeah. Just building up my connections, and then I think it must have been maybe halfway through the season. So just before I fractured my wrist, I was probably um, thinking of at the end of that season moving over to Europe. 
So I was looking at the mid-season transfer, I believe it would be. And yeah, started looking then. Um, but then, obviously, that's when we went into lockdown. So I basically had to scrap all that. So that delayed me by another six months. So the next opportunity for me... So I'm looking... At the time, it was early 2021 that I was looking at. And I was looking at transferring um, in late 2021 to the mid-season of the 2022 season. And that would have been my first year of other 19s, I believe. Um, So I wasn't necessarily looking for a top club because I know that you're not going to find a top club um, in the under-19s league in your first year playing there because you're competing against second-year under-19s, basically. So I wasn't necessarily looking for the best club um, in the world, but I was still messaging Bayern Munich, and Bayern Munich is actually one of the clubs that I got a response from. And as mentioned, it, it's obviously I, I actually hadn't got any trials from this, but... The replies that I did get were either, sorry, we're not interested, sorry, we're not looking, or I'd like to see your videos and we're headed to our scouting department. And so I, I messaged every single club, um, every single professional club in Germany, every single professional club in Spain, every si- No. That's not right. I only did Germany this time, my bad. So I only did every single club in Germany at this time. Don't get me wrong, that's still a lot of clubs and a lot more than most people do. But for me, that's probably maybe the twelfth of the works I've actually done. So it's really not much. Um, but at the time it was. I've just gotten a lot more efficient with doing it these days. Um, anyways, so I was emailing these clubs in hopes to get there for um, the mid-season transfer, I believe I was saying. Um, but then, as I mentioned, because of COVID, that basically just I threw those plans in the bin again. Um, and that was further uh, accentuated by the government saying that I can't leave the country. So I... I probably could have gone if I had enough trials. No, not even trials, actually. I think it was only if I had a contract, I could leave the country. Um, so I put my application form in to leave the country just with trials, and they never got back to us. So for me, as soon as... I mean, I was still messaging these clubs in hopes that I could get a trial and I have to maybe plead a case to say and I leave, but that didn't happen. Uh, and as mentioned in the previous episode, I decided with MacArthur Bulls, and during this time, I was with the first team, so things were going well. They were going okay. Um, yes, they were going well, I guess. That'd be starter, but I'd say okay because obviously I, I'd prefer to be over in Europe. But I had to do um, what I could, and basically, I was evaluating my plans at this time when I signed with MacArthur Bulls because I was evaluating whether I go right now before I signed with MacArthur Bulls or whether I go mid-season if I'm not happy with MacArthur Bulls or if I just believe that I'm good enough to go overseas or 
if I think that it's just the right decision, or if I go at the end of the season with MacArthur Bulls and they go to Europe. Um, that one was really not favoured by me. Definitely more favoured by my parents, but I just know that mid-season transfers are a lot harder, just by experience. Um, so I had these three options in mind. One option was pretty much cancelled due to the restrictions of COVID, um, but obviously still an option if I had any successful emails and if the government actually allowed me to, which they didn't in the end. Uh, but anyways, I was sending out those emails a few months, still not allowed out of the country. And then by the time that I was allowed out of the country, I had committed to MacArthur Bulls. And even if I was allowed out of the country, I had missed the real opportunity to sign and find a club. So my main focus was then either mid-season or at the end of the season. So coming around playing with MacArthur Bulls, it's just before July, January, February, March, April, May, June. Beginning of June, it probably would have been. Kind of, I kind of was looking back at my plans. Um, I had a massive document where I had planned the most convenient times for myself to transfer um, and find a club in accordance to when the recruitment process starts with these clubs and when it's best for me to leave my team of MacArthur Bulls. Um, bear in mind, I had spoken to MacArthur Bulls when I had initially signed saying that, sorry, if I wasn't happy with the team, then I would leave because that was the option for me always, basically. So I kind of also used that as pressure to the club. Um, there wasn't necessarily very keen on it. Um, obviously they're still not, um, but that is something I'll get into a bit later when I actually discuss me leaving. And so come early that month that I just said before, I can't remember, on the 4th of July, is that true? Who knows, how to do a little song again, anyways. Like that. So, Colin, yeah, that month, I looked at my players and thought to myself that, yeah, okay, it's time to execute on this plan. Um, and I had already started getting all of the emails up during the end of 2021 to that current date so during that time i had done a bunch of things in order to prepare for me to leave whether it be mid-season or the end season and things that i started to plan and plan for it was it was very purposeful everything i did was very purposeful in accordance to what my greater goal was which was obviously dip just get out of Australia as soon as I could when it was best for me and when the best opportunity arose. And the way I started planning for that immediately was saving money. And that one is difficult because it's not easy to make money as a footballer who is at school and trading most of the day outside of school. So that was, that was quite difficult. Um, Obviously, 
uh, I had to, I had to change that. So for me, that looked like changing the schools. So I went from going to a physical school to going to an online school and doing physical work, like working at a pizza stall, which I was doing previously to, uh, just working online. So I started to resell sneakers and I started to work for my auntie online. And I'm very fortunate for being able to work a lot of reality because that, that really allowed me to stay at home, have my own time, maybe work four hours a day max and still get paid quite well. So that was, that was a massive component of me having enough money. And then also I was able to sell my car, um, once leaving. So I, I had enough money and I don't think that you should go over to Europe without Honestly, around $10,000, which is really, really hard to get. And I didn't come with $10,000. I came with around $8,000. But since being here, I've probably made around $3,000. No, that, would, that much. Maybe $2,000 at best. So, but also I do have an income still whilst being over here because I work for my RT and I also work for my agent doing a few odd jobs. So that is very important and it's a very unique um decision to make because it's 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 not easy to move everything online and it's very difficult to do and I was quite fortunate that I could do that, honestly. And it, it takes a lot of creativity because most people won't be able to do that. Um, so like everything was really online for me. So that was, that was my main focus just to get everything in order for me to be able to leave whenever I can and make it as easy as possible. So that the three main things in my life that matter the most, um, I'm with my family, of course, which is another big sacrifice I had to make. Um, so playing football, that was going to stay constant wherever I go went so money I could do that online school I could do that online um what was the other one yeah, maybe it's just two things yeah school and making money that is online football that is constant wherever I go it would stay the same but that's why I'm ready so that was important that the transition to online was easy and everything was there so that wherever I was moving to, those things would stay the same and they weren't a problem. So it was, it was just a subconscious shift in my day-to-day -day life so that when I eventually decided to move to Europe, that nothing changed other than my location, really. So... My days just look the exact same. It's just that I'm in Germany now. Maybe I travel a bit more, but actually not a lot. I used to travel a lot back in Australia. Probably travel more back in Australia. But it was just the same trip up and down. Uh, anyways, so that's when I really started to execute on that plan. And I spent so much time on that. So that was from 
basically as soon as I signed with MacArthur Bulls to the day I left. And I had written down in my notes, not the notes app, I have a much better app for that on my iPad. Um, so I had, I had in, in my plan that I had written down on this app, I also wrote down the promises that I had for myself. So saying, I'm not going to go through what the promises were, but basically summing it up, it was just staying true to what my plans were and the execution of those plans. And as mentioned, the subconscious shift to make everything in line with that goal without me even actually thinking about it too much. So that would look like every single day, my training would be tailored to what the German goalkeeping is like. So I would, I would do a lot of focus on that. Um, every single analysis I do, instead of the Premier League, it would be on a German team. So little shifts like that, just so that the the shock of being in Germany wasn't much. And to be honest, being here three months now hasn't hit me yet. It feels like I'm just in Australia still, if I'm being honest. So that, that was a very, very integral part of my plan. And I think that I did very well to execute on that. On a weekly thing, I guess it was just... Uh, I guess it's it's more of a broader view of looking at that day-to-day basis. So, yeah, as mentioned, the day-to-day basis was just in accordance with the major plan of moving over to Europe. And, yeah, on a weekly basis, just making sure I'm doing my schoolwork, make sure I am doing enough footballing things, doing enough mental things. Um, that's a massive part of my game, as mentioned in the previous episode, um, and the detail I put onto that side. Um, and then the monthly, it's it's everything. It's just everything that I've worked on, that subconscious shit, that says the most important thing. Just getting everything that I do in a line with that greater plan. And it's, it's not a quick progression. It's quite a slow, long-winded journey so that the, the, the execution is seamless. And that was my main thinking behind my plans and the reason why I chose mid-season was because I wasn't happy with uh, MacArthur Bulls. And I I just thought that there's kids in Germany and in Europe right now who are getting daily goalkeeper coach, paying so much detail into what they're doing. Every single session is designed for them to get better. Now, in Australia, I have a lot of appreciation for the coaching and I had it with Carter Bulls with uh, both the under-18s coach and under-20s coach. They're, they're both probably the best coaches I've ever had, although the systems at the club just really weren't too beneficial for myself. And being trapped with the under-18s playing games was definitely not ideal for myself. And that's all I was doing. I never got to step foot on the under-20s pitch basically from it I was but on the bench and that was quite difficult because I know that I was good enough for that level I just wasn't able to play because I mean the coach did 
the under-20s coach did want me to play. He told me that if, if he was allowed to and maybe if the team was in a better position, he, he would have played me every week. He would have given me at least a half. But he couldn't because the team at the time was... The team was... They probably could have won the league, honestly. Maybe he's maybe second place. Um... But they they were underperforming, I guess, inconsistent, and they could have gotten better results. So they have to use their first keeper. And this first keeper, I'd say, yeah, he's better than me. And I can admit that. Um, for me, I had been watching him playing at a professional club when I was actually playing my first year of football. And I'm thinking, wow, this guy's amazing. I have a very clear memory of watching him play and thinking, oh my goodness, this guy is crazy. And to think that now he was my competitor at Macarthur Bulls, that in itself was, I guess, humbling for me because thinking, how am I going to have it take over this guy um, in the immediate future? Because I do believe that I can. I feel honestly that I might be better than him even right now. Uh, so I just knew that in the immediate future, it might not be possible, but I'm not in it for the short term. I mean, as mentioned, I've probably only played three seasons before, and even thinking about it now, even at Sydney FC, I only got around six months in. So I've probably only played around two seasons in my life where this guy had been playing so many more years than me so that's fine with me I mean I, I decided to take this journey and I knew it wasn't going to be easy so yeah I mean that's that's what happens and I just got to adapt so anyways I decided to really take this move seriously in January February March April May June June, that's when I started playing. So June, uh, that's when I got the parents on board. They honestly still probably haven't come to terms with it because I probably didn't tell them soon enough. Uh, I probably left that quite late, honestly. And within two weeks or so, um, I, I had already started sending my emails prior to me telling my parents just because... I could send the emails and still not go. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to get that sorted prior to me having any inkling of actually pursuing it. Because it's a lot easier to say, no, I'm not covering the trial anymore. Um, then booking the ticket without having any trials. So, just for a bit of clarity in the uh, focus point of what I was trying to do and execute. It was just better for me to get the trials before I booked my ticket. So speaking in hypotheticals in the future for the clubs, basically. But I was pretty adamant that I was going to leave. I probably wasn't in a good place with the club. Um, but honestly, the... No, I can't really talk about that too much. It's a bit unprofessional. Anyways, um, so I had basically month to get everything sorted before I left and that was my trials that was my clothes 
Um, as mentioned, those little subconscious shifts, I had already started buying warm clothes, literally like as soon as I got back to Australia. Um, yes, I did have some warm clothes from Germany the first time, although I still have some clothes in Germany that are warm, um, to this day that I haven't collected. That's actually good. I, I would need to get those soon, actually. They are with my cousins in Germany and I haven't seen them yet. So it's a good reminder. Anyways. So that was on the move. My plan was in full boss. And yes, uh, my parents played a very, very important part in all of this. Um, allowing me to go, allowing me to go to online school, allowing me to get paid online, to be honest with me, that one, that one was more on my own accord. They didn't necessarily want me to, they didn't necessarily force me to have a job, but I knew that. My parents, yes, they could financially support me, but they wouldn't be able to support me the whole way. They could maybe help me with a ticket, but even that, I insisted that every single cent that was needed for this ex execution of this plan came from my own wallet. And that is still today, to this day, sorry, being executed although they do like to send me money just because they probably feel bad and honestly i'm probably saving them a lot of money being over here so they like to send me a bit of money every now and then don't get me wrong it is not much um but it is more than enough for what i need because as i mentioned i am supporting myself completely so i don't need the support money wise I do need their support for everything else there. And that they give an abundance, which is very important to me. It's very important to my journey. And it's 100% the backbone to my success because a lot of parents wouldn't allow their kids to do this. But as mentioned, a lot of kids wouldn't want to do this or be able to do this, which is also another reason why my parents can allow me to do this. So, no, yeah, that's, that's that. And let me look at the next thing I had there. So, sorry, leading to the departure. Yeah, so leading up to that departure date. So in June, um, then in day, it was, so let's say a month before my departure was, let's say June the 8th. Now leading up to that I was I think the first two weeks I was still training with the team um so I was I never trained with the under 18s by the way I only trained with the under 20s so I was training with the under 20s and traveling back to the central post every morning um just because I wanted to be with my family um before I left because I knew that well, actually, I didn't have my ticket booked. I only booked my ticket two weeks before I left. So, yeah, in those initial two weeks, that's when I was with my family, traveling up and down Sydney, Central Coast every day, just because I knew that my plan was to leave. And family time is basically my mid-system when you live away from home, which makes sense, obviously. So... That was a main priority for me. 
spending time with them because I knew that for them, it's going to be harder for them to let me go than it is for me to go because my goal is was to leave. Their goal isn't that. That's why they have kids. So I'm going against the grain there completely. And I understand that my parents may be too happy. Although a part of having a child is also letting them spread their wings. So, and that's something that my parents also reinforced. And maybe I spread my wings a little too far for some people. But for me, that's my goal. And it's not many other people's goals. And I'm 100% sure that not many people would feel comfortable doing that. Uh, but I did. And I'm okay with that. Because I'm I'm ready. I'm here. And I, I'm going to make things happen. So that's just my um, vision on that. And it's been like that ever since I left the first time. And yes, maybe I'm a little bit older now. So just said 18 the other day. So maybe it's a bit more accepted. But I was doing this since the age of 14. So ever since I really started playing football competitively, that was my focus. And I think that focus just came from being addicted. And I always knew my personality type was very addicting. And I, I, I don't know the word for it. Because addict, an addictive personality type is people getting addicted to things. No, that is me. I do get addicted to things. Uh, an addicting personality type is like people getting addicted to their ones. Like, I, I can't. I can't remember. Alfie can help me with that. I remember he told me that the difference once because he's, he's very good on that. Anyways, I've got that personality type where if I do something, I need to do it with 100% and I get addicted to it. So that's where that vision came from very quickly at a young age. Not a young age, but a very sudden switch, I guess. So, yeah, that's what the, that's what the training was looking like in the first two weeks. School-wise, um, I think at the time I had a lot of assignments to complete but that was quite easy I had quite a lot of time to do that so that wasn't too much of a stress um then the two weeks prior to the flight I was actually quite sick so I stayed at home and so the, the let's say week three I was I was quite sick thankfully it wasn't COVID but I wasn't actually able to play and so the last I told the team that I have three games left with them, I think. That's when I booked my tickets two weeks out prior, but it was three games left because we had one um, mid-week game. And basically, I didn't play any of those last three games because I I couldn't. I was sick. Um, The only game I probably could have played was the last game, and I think the game was on a Sunday, and I was flying out on the Monday, I think. Um. But for me, that last week after I wasn't sick from the third week, I basically just isolated for that time. Um, Everyone who I had plans with, I basically told them that I was still sick, which was a complete lie. And it's something that I do not like to admit, even though I am admitting it right now. 
potentially anyone in the world. I don't know what I will do with this um, video, not video, with this voice memo, but whether I decide to upload it now or whether I decide to upload it in 20 years, looking back at it, I don't know. But basically, if I plan to meet up with you in that week, I'm sorry, I wasn't sick, I was lying. And those people know who they are because I told them that I was sick. And that's a little bit awkward because I probably should have met up with them two weeks prior, but I also didn't think that I was going to get sick in week three. So anyways, that is the... Oh, also, I didn't mention why I was pretending to be sick on that last week. I realized that on week three, that if I got sick, then I'm not flying to Germany. So for me, I was thinking, okay, I'm just going to isolate, make sure I don't get COVID and make sure that I can get over to Germany. Now, the teams that I had trials with plans going over there was only finalized two weeks prior to me leaving, which was, yes, quite risky. But I also just backed myself to get trials whilst I was over there. That was stupid. Um, I should have definitely gone with a lot more trials and I definitely should have had an agent helping with me because me doing it by myself, I will discuss this later, but it's very, very difficult. So the three trials that I had organized was my first week being there was with a team called FC Saarbrücken and they play in the third division. And the under-19s play in the second division. So, good standard. Probably quite comparable to an A-League team. And this was going to be my third day, I think, in Germany. I was having my first trial with this team. So, as soon as I got to Germany, settled down, did a bit of training, and then headed to Saarbrücken. And, yeah, Germany, train tickets, save your money. I have to spend 200 euros per trip, which is crazy. It's so expensive. But thankfully at that time, there was a 9 euro ticket and all the trains were 9 euros. So I was able to try that. I was able to travel for 9 euros anywhere in the surrounding countries of Germany. So I traveled suburban quite cheap quite easy, stayed in the hotel, loved the hotel, brilliant time, uh, the trial was okay, I was with the under-17s goalkeepers, and I thought that I did very well, but I believe that they already had a goalkeeper in mind, and basically for me, a good way to explain this is that as a foreigner, and as a goalkeeper, you have to be 20% better or more than their starting goalkeeper. Because they're not going to go through all of the hassle to give you accommodation, give you a visa. Well, not that they decide whether you get a visa or not, but they're going to help you. And that's a big ha ha hustle, no? It's a big... My English is so bad. It is a big effort on their behalf to actually get their player a visa. That can be expensive, it can be difficult, it can be time-consuming. It could be all three. 
So for me, I have to be a lot better than their starting goalkeeper, basically. And say, say I, I actually don't know what the scenario was at the time, but I believe that they had a third goalkeeper that they already had in mind. And I never met him. I just saw, I think a few weeks ago, that they had a third goalkeeper all of a sudden. So they would have had him probably the whole time that I was there. Um, but I realized that he was a local boy. So immediately, even if I was maybe 10% better, or maybe we were as good as each other, they thought, he's he's going to get that instead of me because he's no hassle for them it's so much easier for them to sign him than me. So that was okay. I headed back to where I was staying with my family friends. I didn't mention that. So I would have booked my ticket a lot earlier if I had accommodation in Germany. So I I couldn't stay with my cousins this time, who I had previously stayed with, because they were... They'd basically... Not double booked, but they had already planned to have a exchange student, I believe. So that room was taken. Um, that really delayed my my execution of the plan originally. So I was looking at actually going to Germany even earlier, I believe, my plans. Um, but I had to keep on pushing that date back until I could find someone in Germany who I could stay with. And two weeks before um, me leaving so after I started isolating I guess that's when we got the thumbs up from some friends who said that I could stay with them and as soon as we got that thumbs up the next day is when I booked the ticket I, I believe and no that's when I started logging the tickets I think and that took a while because yeah, that's not easy, and it's it's quite difficult trying to find tickets that soon. So, also, this was when the borders were first starting to open up, and yeah, it was it was a lot more expensive. So my ticket was two thousand three hundred dollars, which yes, that's a return. Sorry, um, but that's really really expensive for a uh, ticket. Normally, I think traveling my first time, I think my ticket was $1,100. So, yeah, massive shift on the ticket. Um, but, yeah, so... So, Brooklyn went back to the family, and they are in a place called Bad Koenigshofen, which is a small town just south of uh, the... Turingen border, which is the state that I was living in previously, um, where I signed with that team, but the state where I was staying was in a state called Bavaria, or Bayern, and this is also the state of which my cousins live in, and they only live around maybe an hour and a half away from where I'm staying now. So I'm in the very north of Bavaria, which is probably the cheapest place to live in in Germany, or Bayern, Bavaria. And it's very secluded, unfortunately. Uh, anyways, I then had uh, two other trials lined up. Now, that was with Mannheim, which is also a third division club who's under 19s play in the regular Liga. 
And then the other trail that I had was not necessarily lined up. Neither was Mannheim, actually. They were just saying, basically, um, that they have full goalkeepers already, but they'd just like to let me trade with them. And that was that was whenever, basically. I just always knew that was an option. And then Tennis Borussia Berlin, which is a regular Liga team, so that's the fourth division in Germany. And the under-19s just got relegated from the U19s Bundesliga, which was unfortunate, but that's typically a very good standard. So that was that's a, that's whenever basically those two trials I could go whenever. Now at this time, I prior to me planning those trials, I didn't have an agent, but the day of me signing with my agent was also the day of me flying out on off. Australia so I was meant to sign with my agent the week of me leaving but I was sick remember wink wink so I couldn't do that although I did want to sign with him the whole time I couldn't meet him in person because I was sick and I really believed this narrative that I made up I was telling everyone I was acting like I was sick because I didn't like lying to these people if you couldn't do the maths Unfortunately, my agent is one of those people who I lied to. Um, I I really didn't like doing that, so I I really had to convince myself that I was sick. So, anyways, my agent is a very good guy, so I was able to sign with him at the airport. And yeah, so I had my first trial in Saarbrücken. The next trial that I had lined up um, was from my agent uh, we had worked together so I basically do a lot of work to get all of the contacts for my agent in a massive excel spreadsheet and then he sends off the emails to these teams because um yeah he 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 speaks on behalf of me I guess a better way to describe my agent would just be he's more of a manager and someone who represents me because I think when people refer to an agent, they, they refer to someone who I guess is doing all the work for them, where my guy is just, he's just speaking on behalf of me, he's representing me, and he he helps me with all of the contract negotiation stuff. So, very good guy, um, but probably not your, your typical football agent. So, yeah, we worked together on the next trial that I had lined up with a professional team. Um... So at this time, I I had been trialing with a team, a local team who plays in the fourth division in Germany. They're literally the town next to Bad Königshofen where I was staying, and still am staying, and where I'm videoing right now from. Um, yeah. So this team was called TSV Albstadt, and they were a regular Liga team. They had been in the regular Liga for quite some time. Not too wealthy, but a very good standard in the first team. So I was with under nineteens in the first session. Um, honestly, I I could have played at this level maybe three years ago when I was first starting out. This this level was it was a joke. It it really annoyed me um, at at the level of their quality, basically. But I think that they didn't they don't take it seriously at that low level so that's not on it's not on them it's it's more on me 
Um, and obviously they're going to want to sign me. Like, they'd be idiots if they didn't because I was that much better than them. But what really annoyed me is that they want me to sign with the under-19s team. And I don't know when I'm going to be listening back to this. I might I might have signed there. And if I have, then I'm I'm not in a great place right now. Like, I'm, I'm playing for a pretty bad team. And it means that all of the trials that I had were unsuccessful. Um, not that they have been unsuccessful. I've been good enough for almost every single team that I've been on trial with, but because of accommodation or visa problems, I might have to sign with Albstadt. Now, they they want me to play for the under-19s. Um, the second team, who I actually trained with a lot more than the under-19s, they play in the 8th division, which is also a very low league. Standard was horrible, and... It was also a joke. You rock up to training, the players are smoking. After training, they drink beer together. And it's just a very typical German German team. And I can't fault them because they don't want to do anything with football. They just play football for fun. But for me, I don't play football for fun. I didn't come to Germany to do that. They didn't come to Germany to do that either. They came to Germany to live their life and play football for fun. So I can't blame them for that. I can only blame myself for not being good enough. So that's that's my situation there. And then I was able to train with the first team a bit, but they had three goalkeepers in the first team and unfortunately all of them were quite old. So that's that's a difficult thing for me because typically in a first team, you kind of have a young goalkeeper, but their young goalkeeper is like 20-something. So unfortunately, I can't play with the first team because they've got three keepers. So they've got one keeper who's 23, one keeper who I think is 20 and then the other one is 27 and their first keeper is the 23 year old second keeper is the 20 year old and their third keeper is the 28 year old so arguably I'm going up against the most experienced goalkeeper because we're fighting for that third position but he had been in the club at the longest so he's going to get that position so I was trained with the first team only once a week I think that standard was good um good environment semi-professional football you can't really expect too much honestly um it was it was quite a fun time uh the standard as mentioned was good good level but that's what you can expect from a fourth division team in germany uh, they do quite well in the german fourth division as well it's arguably the most competitive fourth division um in germany because it's split up into five regions which is southwest south north um, west and maybe northeast. I I honestly can't remember. Maybe it's only four. I I don't know. Anyways, so yeah, I was with the first team, but I was I don't think that I can ever play for the first team because there's too many goalkeepers ahead of me on contract. Uh, I don't know if I will if I. If I'm listening back in, oh my gosh, if I'm listening back at this in a few months and I have done that and decided to play with Alpstadt, then I really hope that I'm with the first team because if I was with the first team, I'd play for Alpstadt any day of the week, but I'm not. And that's why I'm still looking for a team. So the next troll I had lined up, I believe, and I might just check this because I can't remember, but I believe that 
through sending out a lot of emails, the next club I was with was Eintracht Frankfurt. Now, this opportunity was only a training opportunity, if that makes sense. So they have five goalkeepers that are in the under-19s team and are eligible for the under-19s team. So for me, going there, they told me that I could be the best goalkeeper in the world, but they still couldn't sign me. And I was okay with that because having Eintracht Frankfurt in my CV is a massive accomplishment. It's an it's sorry, it's a massive... Oof, my English is not good. It is a massive uh, pulling factor. It's very attractive. So, yeah, did that one. Um, hotel situation was horrible. So, I booked the hotel and uh, it was... Frankfurt's a bit more expensive. I, I just went for the cheapest option, which I normally do anywhere. Um, but I do it in um, respects to safety as well. I don't want to be staying in dodgy places, and this place looked quite nice. Um, when I was in Subbrooken, I, I had found quite a nice company called Premier Inn, and it's very cheap, and the accommodation is brilliant. So I originally was going to go with them in Frankfurt, but then I found somewhere, I think, 20 euros cheaper a night, so I went with that, and it looked quite nice as well. It wasn't. It was in the red light district, and in Frankfurt, it's very dangerous. There's crackheads everywhere. Um... It was a very bad experience, and one day of my trial in Frankfurt, I almost didn't get to it because there was a gunman on the loose in the street, and my hotel was in lockdown, so that wasn't a great experience hotel-wise, although training with Eintracht Frankfurt was a dream. Um, I felt like I was at the standard of the younger players in that team. I never trained with the, the kids my age, so the... the, the Three goalkeepers that they had out of the five were a year younger than me. And then two out of the five were uh, the same age as me. So I never traded with the ones that were my age because I track Frankfurt. They have a philosophy of playing up. So I was against um, kids who were younger than me. Now, I felt like I was the best goalkeeper there. And I think that maybe I should have been because I was a year older than them. But I'm also against... The, some of the best goalkeepers in the country at Eintracht Frankfurt. So for me, that was a big win. Um, the the feedback I got from the club was, yes, they weren't ever going to sign me, but if they could, they wouldn't because they didn't think that I was good enough compared to the goalkeepers my age. So that's fine. Um, the biggest thing for me was that actually that I was good enough for the under-19s of the team because... At another club in the Bundesliga, who don't play their players up in age, I could probably play at that level. So for me, that that was that was a win. So I was I was feeling quite good with that, knowing that I'm at that level. And the next trial that I had lined up was in Fulpatal, which is a it's an it's just quite a nice city. It's not too big, um, and it's just north southeast east of Kong maybe more Dussel, uh, more Dusseldorf actually and this team their under 19s team just got relegated from the Bundesliga and their first team play in the Regionalliga Nord so nope 
we're going to legal fits. So this team, the under-19s team, is probably quite similar to the standard of the first team, actually. Maybe just a little bit off, but good pathway to the first team because the standard is quite similar. And this team, it was basically the same story with Subrogan. Um, first training session, unfortunately, wasn't great on my behalf. Um, I rocked up really, really early, uh, almost too early to the training session, and I was waiting where we had agreed on, or, well, where I thought we agreed on. The goalkeeper coach never came. The goalkeepers from that session were walking past me, but they obviously didn't know that I was trialling with them. And I ended up being late to that session. That goalkeeper coach never came to find me. After me stressing out a little bit, I started to move around. And this was at the after the agreed time of arrival. And I saw them that they had already started training. So that was already um, putting me on a bad initial uh, meeting with the goalkeeper coach. Anyways, training session was okay, but I... There were just some things that it was just like, wow, that is not like me um, at all. Uh, so I did feel like I was the best goalkeeper there again. But there were just some little things that I could definitely see wouldn't have been attractive for that coach. Anyways, next training session with the team, I felt like I did very well. The players felt like I did very well. I could tell they had warmed up to me quite quickly knowing my name, asking about me, etc. Quite a good quite a good training session. Coaches were speaking to me, everything was good. There was also uh, I think two other trialists of goalkeepers at that time, but they were both um honky donkeys, so no that's actually so me to say. They weren't the best and I was definitely better than them, so that was not a concern for me. Uh the next training session those two goalkeepers had left. The coach had told me that those goalkeepers were definitely not up to standard. But then they told me that they have another goalkeeper in today. Now, I was like, oh, okay, let's hope he's another dunk. Uh, I mean, he's, let's hope that I'm better than him again. So, I mean, that's not a great way to say it. That's not what I was actually thinking. I was I was actually thinking it's, it's a good chance to show that I'm better than the trials that they have. When we start the session, everyone knows his name. They already know him. And I can already tell that he's his favourite. I felt like I was better than him. But even when we played in an 11v11, after 20 minutes of just a warm-up, he was, he was starting ahead of me. So and that was a good indication that for me, they, they already knew him, and after that training session, I felt like I did really well, I felt like I did better than him, but they spoke to him after the session, everything seemed like it was all about him, uh, they they never told me anything, so then the next day, I they had a game, I went to watch it, just trying to stay as professional as possible, try and communicate with the coaches and whatnot, just remind them that I'm still here, uh, the first the head, the head coach, he was quite nice to me. He said, oh, yeah, you like it here, eh? And I was like, yeah, I think it's a very good standard. 
And then that was that. I left and I was hoping that they'd get back to my agent. And it took them maybe a few days to get back to my agent. And unfortunately, they said that they took the other goalkeeper. And that was annoying. Um, this was obviously fighting for the first position of the goalkeeper. And yeah, I mean, I ended up I ended up finding out that this goalkeeper was from Borussia Mönchengladbach. And again, as mentioned, um, if you've got a local boy against a foreigner, I've got to be 20% better than him. And maybe I was only a little bit better than him. I, I couldn't say I was 20% better than him. But they also have a lot more evidence for a player who's been at Borussia Mönchengladbach than a player who's been at Sydney FC. So fairly, they took him. And that wasn't too hard, honestly, to take. I'm pretty good with rejection. Um, it's something that I face very, very often. So for me, it wasn't really... wasn't. It really didn't change much for me. It was just, let's go to the next trial. And the next trial was in Mannheim. So I from Fuppertal, I went to Mannheim. And I went to Mannheim because... I had a friend there, and I thought to myself that, okay, I'd spoken to Mannheim before, a team in Mannheim before, we played in third division, and I thought that they would uphold their promise, which was I can train with them, just to see me. I thought that I'd be better than their goalkeepers, and I probably would be, um, but they didn't keep that promise. So I was in Mannheim with my friend, and that's fine because I was just getting free accommodation with him. It wasn't the best living conditions, but it was very kind of him to let me stay with him. And I was kind of just stuck in Mannheim waiting for my next trial. And I am going to have to start a new recording soon. Anyways, so yeah, Mannheim. And I had to proactively seek out my next trial. I didn't care where it was, but being in Mannheim rather than being in Bad Koenigshofen is a lot better because Mannheim is a much bigger city and leaving Bad Koenigshofen takes a minimum of around three hours just to just to leave the the little town to get to something a bigger town from then I can then travel another six hours or so to my desired destination but in Mannheim it's a lot more central it's a lot more easier and I can travel much further from there anyways this is ending now so in a little sec I'll rejoin so now that I'm in Mannheim, I uh, I, I messaged a local team that played the Sixth Division. I just did a trial form application. They literally knew nothing about me. Um, I just mentioned that I was a goalkeeper. That was it. And I put in my birthday. They said, come. Come tomorrow. I think it was. So I was... I didn't know which which team I'd be with. I was assuming it was the under-19s, but I was also hoping that it would be the first team because the under-19s were at a very low league where the first team was also at a very low league, but sixth division probably isn't too bad and it's probably a level that I can play at. So, yeah, I was hoping that it was with the first team, but it was with the under-19s, unfortunately. Now, this team... So I did very well, um, as I should have because the standard was so low, and yeah, I did very well, um, they wanted me to play for them immediately, and they 
that this team can help with accommodation. So for me, it was good knowing that they could help me with accommodation and everything like that. And yeah, I, I, I wasn't too happy playing with the under-19s and I was able to train with the first team a bit as well. Um, but I also don't think that the first team was very good. They had a lot of ex-professionals, but the majority of the team were overweight. All of the goalkeepers that they have currently are very fat, very out of shape, horrible technique, and I was 200% better than them. But that was a problem for them because those two goalkeepers are contracted. They're getting paid quite a lot. And for me, signing with under-19s isn't too great, but it's still an option if they can provide accommodation. So, to where I am now, still speaking to them, trying to work out accommodation. I will take it if they can provide me accommodation. But at the moment, Alpstadt is literally a better option than them because I can stay here in Bad Königshofen, play for Alpstadt, and it's arguably at a better level because the first team is in the fourth division. So, yeah, it's it's very difficult, but um, if Mannheim can help with accommodation, then I'll play there. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I mean, this is still quite premature for me. So, yeah, I was there with Mannheim, played two games, I think. So, good to get some minutes. But ultimately, not too great. But probably the at the time, it was actually the only option I had, other than um, Alpstadt. But actually, Alpstadt for me at that time was basically a joke. Still is a joke today for me. But it's looking more and more likely that I will have to sign it. Although I really don't want to settle for that. So, anyways. Next trial I had lined up after Mannheim was a team called FC Giessen. Now, FC Giessen, their first team just got relegated from the 4th Division in Germany. And the under-19s play in the 2nd Division. So, one league better than the under-19s at Mannheim, and one league better than Mannheim's first team. Sorry. And under-19s team. I just forgot to mention that in that previous sentence prior. So, basically short story. Oh, sick English again. Long story short, it was a better team than Mannheim. And they, Giessen said that they can help with accommodation. Now, Giessen is a small city. I'd probably say town, actually. Small town east of Frankfurt. Nope, north. Gosh. It's around an hour north of Frankfurt. And the accommodation set up there for me, just trialing, I was just staying at a little breakfasts and B&B, whatever you call that, breakfast and brunch? Yeah, so like that. Oh, bed and breakfast. That's what it is. That's where I stayed, just one of them for the night, and then I'd head back to Mannheim because I didn't want to pay the prices of that because it was very expensive. So the Monday I had there, they were very keen on me. Then the next training session they had was Wednesday. I told them that I don't want to go because I actually didn't want to go. All I needed to do was just get there on the Monday, show them that I'm good enough and get the offer on paper. That was what I did. But then they wanted to see me on Friday just so that the 
um, head guy could just see me. So I made another trip up there, spoke briefly and whatnot, got a bit more solidarity with them, and uh, yeah, they said they could help with accommodation. Uh, turns out they can't. Well, if they can, they're still struggling. Same situation with Mannheim. They're just looking. They're struggling. Hopefully, that works out. But if not, then it's Albstadt. But if either one of them can provide accommodation, then I'll happily go with either one. Although, I do not want to go with Mannheim. I would much rather go with Giesen. Although, Mannheim, living-wise, is much nicer than living in Giesen. Because Mannheim's a very beautiful city. And Giesen is a... Uh, a small town just north of Frankfurt, which is the complete opposite of Mannheim, which is a nice city south of Frankfurt. Anyways, Giesen, Mannheim, the only two offers that I've got, and they're not professional. So for me, that is a sacrifice that I had had to come to terms with because I had realised that all of the professional teams in Germany had four or five, maybe three, goalkeepers in the under-19s age. And they had had those goalkeepers ever since April. And if you remember my story, I started sending out emails after April. So I had missed that recruitment process. So the ideal time for me to go over to Germany would have been just before April, because that's when they're doing their trials for the next season. In the professional teams, at least. So, my reality of a professional team in Germany is becoming ever so unlikely by the day. Until the next recruitment process that they start, which may be in around two months for the mid-season. So, maybe I have to wait another two months until I can start trying at professional teams again. But until then, I might have to settle for a semi-pro team or a... TSV Albstadt, TSV Albstadt team. Ugh. Anyways, that was difficult. So I spent a week back in Bad Königshofen. I really hate going from trial to trial because it stuffed up my whole routine. The training is just absolutely horrendous during them. I'm literally doing hotel sessions, doing the same session every single day, pretty much. Going from gym to gym because I'm trying to do free trials every single gym so I don't have to pay for one. And yeah, not ideal at all. Um, I, I really hate trying, um, going from place to place. Um, don't get me wrong, I, it's a pretty bad way to say it. I actually really like trialing for teams, but the whole, uh, the whole process of it, of finding accommodation, booking hotels, getting there, and then just finding out that the team can't have me end because of reasons that I can't necessarily can control. That's that's really annoying. So on average, I'd say that I spend around eight hundred Australian dollars each trial, uh, taking into accounts for food, travel, and accommodation. So, yeah, uh, trialing is very expensive for me, um, and then also expensive time-wise because it's it's taking out a whole week, and yeah, it's it's not great and. It just stuffs up my whole training regime. Yeah, that's the word. Regime. And I hate that because for me, I'm all about consistency of schedule and routine, basically. So back in Bad Königshofen, that week that I had back, it was amazing. It was probably one of the best weeks I've had. And my training was really good. 
um, everything was the exact same. If you look at my whoop, oh my gosh, it was probably the best week that I ever had on whoop. Literally, you can see my sleep consistency was like consistency. My sleep consistency was like almost perfect every single day. My strain was like the exact same every single day. My recovery was like the exact same every single day. I think like everything was just great, and I love I love seeing that. So then the next week. I'm off to Belgium. And that came quite sudden. Um, during that week, I worked on emailing, well, attaining emails from surrounding countries of Germany. Because the reason why Germany has um, so many goalkeepers in the team and do their recruitment process so early is because goalkeeping is a very, very competitive position in Germany. And as I mentioned um, in the first episode of this, Every, uh, I'd say the German goalkeepers are the best in the world and that, that shows and it has to come from somewhere and I believe that's their development so it's it's very competitive and that is proven because I still haven't found a club even though I can play at the level even though I'm good enough everything like that it's I just have to find that right team with that availability at that right time which is probably a lot easier in other countries so that was my reasoning for emailing other teams in Australian countries. Anyways, I'm off to Belgium. And um, I was doing this the night before because it came very suddenly. And that's basically what all of my trials are like, by the way. So in doing things the night before, it makes travel costs a lot more expensive. So Deutsche Bahn, everything is excess 200 euros um, because you're also forced to pay first class prices because there's no tickets left in regular class. Um, and then also uh, accommodation is a lot harder to find and typically more expensive. So I had to settle for a place actually not even in the city of where the trial was. Um, not a massive problem because Belgium is quite small, but I ended up staying in Brussels and I was trialing in a neighboring city called Leuven. And I um, had to stay in a youth hostel because in Leuven, all of the, every single accommodation that I was looking at was booked out, sold out, and it was not possible. So, yep, I stayed in Brussels, and similar situation there, the only things, that, the only hotels that I could actually get, other than Ibis, which was a little bit too expensive for me, um, was a youth hostel, and that was fine. This youth hostel was very modern, quite nice, um, and yeah, it was it was nice. Quite got a good youth hostel, actually. So I stayed there, uh, traveling into the neighboring city of Leuven. Um, I think my first three days there, I was meant to have a trial, but they ended up having a game rescheduled. So first three days there, I was just training by myself, basically, in the youth hostel. And yeah, it was okay, whatever. Not ideal, but I had to make do. And then my first training session with the team, I actually started off really, really poorly with the goalkeepers. Um, something I still have to work on is when I'm competing against goalkeepers at a, a very similar level to me. I I tend to hide, unfortunately. Um, when there's goalkeepers who are much better than me, I tend to thrive. And then also when there's goalkeepers much worse than me, I tend to thrive. But when there's goalkeepers who are at a very similar level, I tend to hide a little bit. Now, 
I don't know why that is, um, but it's it's something that I'm working on a lot because I've I've realized that it it's something that is quite detrimental. Um, but that was okay because I still had time in my training session left. You know, I wasn't just there for the goalkeeping part, and I had time to show in team training. And I was like, okay, that's fine. Now it's more direct, and I'm competing directly against the other goalkeeper. But there's a team in front of me. Now, there's a lot more variables that could happen. I could have a horrible team, and now I'm completely exposed. And that mental weakness is making me seem like a huge fraud. Thankfully, I rose up to the situation, and I played very, very well. My team also was quite good, but so was the other team. Now, for me, I'm looking at the standard of this club and this team. Facilities were amazing. Partner, partner club with Leicester City. And everything was looking good. I did really well in that training session. The players liked me. Coaches liked me. Maybe the goalkeeper coach didn't like me too much after the initial poor start, but he watched me in team training and he, and he realized that I definitely had some qualities about me. And yeah, it was really good. And then uh, the next session I had, because maybe two days later, this was on my birthday. And really good session. Um, I adapted quite quickly to their playing style. And... Um, yeah, got in a bit of a game. I think I did very well in this game. I think they thought I did very well in this game as well. Um, but I ended up injuring myself. Not the worst problem in the world because this was like my last trial with them. Um, for that week, so that was okay. Um, still am injured to this day from that. By the way, this is not even ten days after my birthday. That I'm recording this. Um, but yeah, so. Uh, I spoke to the physio after he said it should be fine. I think it should be fine. If I'm again, if I am listening to this in the future and if it's not fine, then I um I hope that I've dealt with it well, future Nick. Um, but that was what happened, and I was completely ignorant to the injury previously. And in fact, I did a big training session today. So um, if I have injured myself, future Nick. Blame yourself. There's no one else to blame. It was all your fault. But that's fine. Because I will learn from that. And I will never do that again. So I needed to make this mistake right now. But if there was no mistake and it was fine. Then good on you. Because you gave your best with what you had. So that's my life. No regrets. And anyways. With this losing team. They wanted me to be back there next week. So I booked um, accommodation again. For the next two days. Because... Um, football can be crazy sometimes and I always know that I can't really book ahead for too much so I made the right decision by booking for two days and if I needed to stay longer then I can just rebook and that was no problem because that's what I was actually doing anyways already because they my original plan was to leave um, on I think the Thursday maybe and they wanted me there on the Friday so I just had to book again for another few days and then after that Booking finished. Um, I was assuming that I'd be there for the next week as well. So I rebooked for Monday. Um, just doing two days at a time, basically. So that was fine. Um, then on that Sunday, they call and the painful phone call of. So in. Long story short. Oh my gosh. Long short. Long story short. I actually said that. Oh my days. Long story short. I'm at that level. 
but they can't give me what I deserve. Now, that one hurts, um, but it doesn't hurt at the same time because it's it's quite a confidence booster. Now, not that I believe in external confidence, um, that doesn't give me any more confidence because I, me prior to hearing that knowledge, I still felt like I was the same goalkeeper 10 seconds after hearing that knowledge. So that's not a confidence booster for me, but it's a confidence booster for my agent. I think that's the main thing and maybe the people that I'm around. So that was good to hear that I'm at the level, but they were looking for basically a goalkeeper who could be even better than that level. So they had two goalkeepers that were my age, one goalkeeper under that under my age and they were basically looking for a goalkeeper who was better than every single one of those goalkeepers by a substantial amount so the, the goalkeeper coach basically summarized it and said yes uh you can play at this level but we weren't looking for a goalkeeper who can play at this level we're looking for a goalkeeper who can play much beyond this level because we just were looking to improve our goalkeeping um assets not maintain and for me that's fine um it's not great, but I mean, if I could go to another club and they were just looking for a goalkeeper at that age, then I'm good enough. That's all I need to hear. Um, I just got to find the right opportunity and it wasn't at that team. Unfortunate, but, uh, that's, that's fine because I can just go again. And yeah, that's, that's all I took from that. Um, but that's taken me to my current situation of being injured and well i don't really know if i'm injured i think it's just a muscle strain shouldn't be too bad really um this what it's 10 37 p oh my gosh i started this like two hours ago that is flowing all my days oh my gosh i need to get a bed um taking some more stuff um yeah so that had taken me to my current situation um in that time from me hearing that and me right now um that's only like this five days ago i think but in that time uh, i had to go to london to renew my travel visa um i had a nice time in london um i was just doing a bit of gym work and conditioning work just maintaining my fitness and strength so that's okay kind of stayed away from the ball a bit but yeah i can't do that too well either so i still did train um not too much i only did one session and it was a really light session but for me i can't really not do football training in a week so that one was difficult um but yeah london was nice had a good time got to see got to walk i really love london england is um well, no, England sucks really, but London's my dream location to live. And I know a lot about London, so it was a really nice time in London. Um, nice little reset, not that it was a reset really, because um, I was still training and whatnot. But uh, I was able to meet up with a friend, a very close friend of mine, um, Jack McLaughlin. And yeah, he is a fantastic guy. Um, that would have sounded so cocky if I said that out loud all my days. Um, Okay, he is a great guy, full stop, um, enter, 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 um, 
Jack and I are very similar people. There we go. Doesn't make me sound cocky. Um, very, very similar opinions on everything. Um, if we ever need advice, we just talk to each other, um, come up with a plan, and we just have each other in each other's ears, just giving each other advice because it's kind of good to hear what the other person thinks because they're literally just going to reinforce your original thought because literally Jack and I think the exact same. So very good to have him on my side and it was really good to meet up with him in person because he's going to the same situation. We actually moved at the same time. Um, he moved to England, he's there with his dad and he's trialling with um, teams at England. He's been at three teams. He unfortunately um, had been with... So he, he'd been with Brentford for six weeks, which is insane. The B team there, um, he's 21. And he, he he was deemed too old for the B team, unfortunately, which for me, that really hurt to hear. I, I was really sad for him. Um, honestly, I, I was probably sadder for him than, than I was for me getting not rejected by any teams necessarily. Um, but, and he wasn't rejected by the team necessarily either. Um, it's, it's more of a circumstances thing, but for, for him, that, that hurt me more than any of my trials hurt me basically. So I was really sad about that, um, for him, but he's on the same journey as me and he knows that he just has to go again. And I haven't, I haven't spoken to him, um, too much about it yet. Uh, it was only yesterday. <laughs> it was yesterday. Oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, I haven't spoken to him too much. Um, I kind of just wanted him to sit with it for a bit. I told him if he ever needs to rant or whatnot, uh, he'd call me. Um, I know he won't because he's not going to, and he shouldn't because I know how he thinks, and I know that he just needs a bit of time. He's hopefully right now either doing absolutely nothing or he's doing a lot of training. And I hope he's not doing anything in the middle because that's not what I would do. So, yeah, I don't know what he's doing. I'll check in with him soon. Um, but I want him to sit, sit with it a little bit, find his feet again, whether he does it in a few days or whether he does it right now. That's that's up to him. That's something I don't know. Um, but I, I trust that he's doing the best thing for him. And he goes again. And yeah, we'll be um we'll be talking soon. Have a lot of love for that guy. Very good guy. So yeah. Anyways, um that's basically where I'm at today. Although I am back in Bad Coded Sulfan and a lot of money is being spent traveling back and forth and it's it's not easy and yeah I mean I am doing all of this by myself as mentioned it's funded by me it is very difficult being in a foreign country and doing all of this planning doing all of this training trialing transport etc by myself um i'll just quickly go through um what a normal training day would look like for me um so this is like what that week of 
um, in between Geeson and Belgium would look like. So I'll just go through that quickly. And that looks like wake up at 6am, uh, have breakfast, head to the gym, do a strength uh, training session, and then do a conditioning session accompanied by a recovery session. And then after the recovery session, I would go home, rest, have lunch, do a bit of productivity work. So that's um, making money, that's working on my mental stuff, that's working on anything that is productive. I, I, I really don't waste much time. Um, and then I would train again at around, I think, 3 p.m. is my time that I like to do. Sometimes it changes, literally I might... It just depends what I do that first day. Whatever I do on that first Monday, I do for the rest of the week. I can't remember what it was for that week specifically, but I think it was around 3 p.m. I'd get another session in. And then I would do that every single day for that whole week. And then Sunday, I'd do absolutely nothing, ideally. That's not always the case because sometimes that day I have to travel. Sometimes I'm in London. That happens too often, but for example, on my rest day in London, that was a great time because I didn't have to train. And wait, is that that didn't happen? Oh, I made that up. Oh no, I didn't get to do it on a rest day. That would have been so good. Damn. No, in Brussels. Okay, so I had a rest day in Brussels. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I just walked around the city. That was actually nice. Um. But typically, I like to do absolutely nothing on a rest day because I, I really like to just guilt trip myself into feeling as bad as possible for doing absolutely nothing so that Monday just sets the tone for the rest of my week. So that's what I like to do. I like to watch Netflix. I don't watch Netflix on any other day than Sunday. Um, I try and eat at my maintenance calories for that day. Um, and yeah, it's basically a massive guilt trip. I try and keep my strain as low as possible, but, but but sometimes accidentally I might go above that strain um, of 10, which isn't too high, um, but it's probably higher than I'd like, honestly. Anyways, any, any days, oh my gosh, anyways, a normal day of a trial for me would look like this, and this changes from trial to trial, but typically all of my trials have been in the evening, which I, I hate. By the way, I absolutely hate that. Um, but for me, it's... I only start doing... So, imagine my trial is at 7pm. Up until 4pm, the whole day is looking like a rest day, basically. So I'm, I'm doing nothing. I'm distracting myself. I allow myself to watch Netflix. And this is the same what I do for a game day. So only three hours prior to the event... Am I starting to focus on the game or trial? Now, I have my processes in place. I won't go in depth of what that is yet. Um, I can maybe do that in another episode or maybe upload that on LinkedIn. I don't know. I don't even know if I'm going to upload this as mentioned. But anyway, that's what I'm doing. And then that's when I start focusing. So three hours in, four, and then um, depending on the, the trial, I'm traveling by train, I'm traveling by car, whatever. Or I'm walking, I don't know, depends on the session. And then let's say I finish at 9pm, then I am back in the hotel or whatever um, by 10-ish maybe. Um, yeah, it's not ideal. 
Um, I hate going to bed that late, and I hate that I'm going to bed this late right now, but I did not plan on going this long, but I need to get it done, otherwise I'm going to forget. No, not forget to do it, but forget everything that I was hoping to say. So, yeah, that that's what a normal trial day looks like, a normal day of travel. I always wake up very early because Deutsche Bahn is, uh, it, it's reliable, but it's unreliable. So... I, I make sure that I have enough time that if I completely uh, mess up my travel, that I have enough time to get home by the end of the day. And that happened just yesterday, in fact. So um, I headed to Munich. Sorry. I was at Frankfurt from Brussels. And my train got moved um, to the next platform. And on that platform a train to Munich, which is where my train was also heading, then got moved to another platform. So I moved to two platforms, and then the first platform that I moved to was actually where my train to Munich was going. So it's a coincidence that they were both going to Munich, but I followed it all the way across where I should have stayed. So I ended up in Stuttgart instead of Wurzburg. So both going to Munich, except they took different routes. So instead of getting home at 2pm, I ended up getting home at around 8pm. So yes, it was good planning for myself, but a very unideal situation and execution of the plan. Now, I am very fortunate that that was the first mistake that I've made on Deutsche Bahn, because a lot of other people have made very, very more frequent and more costly mistakes than I have, that I've heard of. And it's very common for people to do that. So, thankfully, it was non-costly. Well, no, it was costly because I lost a lot of time in my day. Um, although I was doing maths work the whole day on the train, which was my plan anyway. Um, but it did make training that night very difficult because, yeah, you don't feel like training after a long day of travel. But um, I don't use that as an excuse. And I trained hard. And it sucked. It really sucked. But I did it. But that was that was important, and I did it for me. And a lot of people would probably not do that, but that's I'm not I'm not a lot of people, as you can break gather. So that's why I did it. Um, so yeah, it's um, that's what the days kind of look like for me. I've probably got three main days, and then they all kind of vary um, the frequency of that. Um, but th that's what my normal three three days kind of look like, basically. Um, my German also is, it's always been good, uh, football-wise, because when I was in Germany the first time, I really learned enough German to speak on the football pitch. Maybe there's a few words that I still need to, to know, um, but I think that it, it's enough. And, uh, like at Eintracht Frankfurt, um, I was speaking on the pitch so well that the coaches who were speaking to me in English previously started speaking to me in German because they thought that I actually had good German this whole time, but... Little did they know, my conversational German is not very good. So I can speak a lot more German than I can understand. Um, but I will start learning German after I finish my HSC, which is in three weeks. And then I can start focusing my time onto learning German, which is a big priority of mine, but not right now. Uh, another thing I just wanted to quickly touch on was how many days of the week would I actually feel motivated to train? And this is something that I used to track on Whoop, um, but something I don't track anymore, just because 
I really didn't see how this could actually affect my recovery score as I would wake up with the recovery score already high or low. Well, I, I'd wake up with the recovery score already determined and then answer for the previous day what I felt like. So it didn't really work out too much for me. Um, But yes, I'd say... I'd say I... The last time I felt motivated to train... I can't tell you when that is. And that's not because it's so frequent. That's because it's so infrequent. I hate training. I hate it. Honestly, I can say that. I hate pushing... Pushing myself in the moment. It, it sucks. It feels horrible. Um, I don't enjoy it. I don't think exercising is too fun. It's It's not fun for me. But what I absolutely love is knowing that I did it when I didn't want to and today I did not want to train last night I did not want to train but after that after training it just gives me a buzz like it's addicting and then when I see results it's, it's like, oh yeah, okay. It's working. So for me, when I get a little bit of momentum, that's when I start, I start rolling. And I don't, I don't like to lose that momentum. That's difficult because trials, they make you lose that momentum. And that's when I have those weeks in between a trial where it's just like, okay, this is where I get my momentum back. Then the next week I've got another trial. And then it's like, okay, well, I've got to get my momentum back then. The next week. And, yeah, it's 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 really difficult. And I, I really don't ever feel like I want to trial. Or even, sorry, I don't ever feel like I want to train. That's that's the gym. That's that's my recovery work. That's my, that's everything. I, I, don't, I don't like training. I just love knowing that I did it. And that. I'm doing more than anyone because if say if I didn't say if I didn't let my mind control my sorry say if I didn't let my physical control my mental that I would be I wouldn't be a good player because I, I never want to do stuff and, and some people are like that and they're at the level that I'm at right now so for me I, I know that I'm just getting so much better than them. And that, that's really just what keeps me going, I guess. And that momentum, it keeps me going. And just knowing that I did it when I didn't want to, it's a brilliant feeling. Um, so that's that's why I train. That's that's what keeps me going. That's what's, that's what's kept me going for so long. Um, but yeah, I honestly just don't like training at all. And I think that I've kind of made that quite clear. Um, but yeah, even on a trial, well, I don't, I don't like trialing. Um, I, I have to trick myself into liking it because that's when I perform better. So that's why I'm, I do completely nothing before a trial until three hours because I'm trying to trick myself that it's a rest day, and on a rest day it's normally a good day. Um, because it's it's quite 
filled with endorphins and it's it's a very rewarding day um mentally um by the end of it it's not i hate it but that's why i do it um but during the day um because i've filled my day up with endorphins um it feels really good in the moment and then training when it's a training day uh i'm not feeling myself up with endorphins and because at the end of the day, when I know that I've been doing that and being disciplined, then that's when I get that endorphin rush. So I'm just getting endorphins at a different time. And so for me, I, that's why I, um, my trial days and game days are quite planned and specific so that my endorphins come prior. So it, it's, it's I guess, it's, it, it's a motivation, but I guess a better word for it's the arousal. So my arousal is quite... Um, planned scripted fake almost but that's the best way for me to perform so yeah it's 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 a it's a big process and as you can tell i've been quite carried away in the in the little loops and minor details of what i go into today but that's me um i hope you can get a bit from this and yeah it's quite a long um i guess this is three episodes basically but if you take the time to listen, I think that you can take a lot of valuable stuff out of this. Um, but really, the best way to actually learn all of this is to, is to actually just go through it. Because I can I can say whatever I want, and you can take whatever you, you can get from it. But I can guarantee you that it's not going to be anything like actually doing it yourself. And doing it yourself will... You'll, you'll get more things than what I'm telling you right now because it, I, I even want to hear what your experience was because you're going to get different experiences from what I've gotten and I, I just want to get as much information as I can and that's why I think for me making this is important because maybe I can hear other people's stories but also I don't want to lose this story for myself um something that Matt Sheldon spoke about was that he's glad he did his podcast on his time in Germany because he he was forgetting information on his time and Matt Sheldon probably had a, a bit of a better time in Germany than I had because he actually had someone there with him um where I'm doing this all by myself but anyways um yeah it, it's just good that I can recount this basically and and I'll probably be able to update this um but I just don't know what I'm going to do with this video footage, this audio. Sorry, I feel like it'd be really cool to upload it when I'm famous, and and when I've and when I've made it. So I don't think I will upload this um future Nick, if this is in a week's time or if it's in five years time or even at the end of my career. I, I want to keep this and make sure that it's um recounted very well because this is a very crazy time in my life. Um, yeah, it's it's mental, but. It's not, it's not easy, um, and I'm glad I didn't take the easy road, honestly, because, uh, football's not going to be easy, and especially the, the path that I chose being so late, I feel like I have to go through the struggles, and sheep as creepers am I in the struggles, this is not easy at all, it's very difficult mentally, physically, and time-wise, it's a lot of sacrifice of moved away from my family that I don't live with my parents anymore like that's crazy and, and I was trying to do this ever since the age of 14 
Um, so yeah, it's big, but it's what I chose and it's what I thought I needed to do to get to the, where I want to go. And as mentioned previously, if it's with the wrong thing, then I'm glad that I went through it to find out that that's the wrong thing. Cause I'm going to do it again. Cause I know how to get there now. I, I, let's say it's quite a very black and white way of thinking. And I've been told that's a very black and white way of thinking, but I don't see why that's a problem. So yeah. Anyways, that it's 11 PM now. So I really, really need to head to bed because that's way too late for me. Um, thankfully tomorrow is a rest day, so I, I don't need to prioritize uh, a schedule, but I do need to sleep now, so. Good night. Um, I hope that was helpful for whoever is listening. I don't know. I mean, I, I want to make a YouTube channel in the future, um, so that one day, uh, people can learn from how I did it. Um, uh, but I, I think that I have to make it first, um, because I can't do it without a bit of authority and a bit of, um, I guess with a bit of, um, authenticity and, um, backing behind my career first. So yeah, we'll, we'll make it first and then this will probably come out. So uh, future Nick, five years down the road, two years down the road, I don't know when I'm going to be a professional, but I believe it will happen. Um. Or even if I don't make it, I think it'll be really cool to send it to this maybe show it to my kids one day. Um, even even my parents, I don't know. We'll see what I do with this. Maybe I'll just share it with Tim. But Tim, if you uh, listen to this, I don't expect you to listen to the whole thing. Um, although maybe you're a good guy, so I feel like you might actually listen to it. Um, if you don't listen to the whole thing, then you're not going to hear this. So if you didn't, then you're not a real friend, but I know that you are a real friend, so I actually do back you to listen to this whole thing. So, anyways, good night. I am out.